There Will Be Bourbon is back for another uh, bourbon fueled discussion, this time with Lieutenant Colonel Lisa Jaster, one of the proud graduates from the one of three, right? The first three women to graduate yeah. Ranger School, among several other uh, accomplishments throughout her military career. But apparently that's something she's known for, which is you know impressive because I never went to Ranger School. I, I drove by it a few times when I was on Benning. Over there, Camp Darby. So I have seen where it started. So among that, we will talk about a few other things. But uh, she is going to tell us all about how that experience went, along with some other stuff. Uh, Ma'am, how are you? I'm doing great. Really doing great. well, actually. Really well. Well, that's really yeah. Good. Let's maintain that. Uh, so before we get into <laughs> her story and all the wonderful things that she has done, as you know, this discussion is fueled by the finest American spirit, and that is bourbon. And so tonight. We will be drinking the Wild Turkey Rare Breed. It kind of coincides with this nice, still young lady and the stuff that she's managed to accomplish. So Wild Turkey Rare Breed. So the thing with Wild Turkey, before we get into this, so as you know, I, I tend to go on these rants with bourbon, but Wild Turkey is great because they're not like a lot of other distilleries who do a ton of product labels. They do one thing really, and they do it really well. They got the Wild Turkey, they got the Wild Turkey 101, they got the Rise, they got the Rare Breed and a few higher end stuff. But what they do is delicious, so I encourage you at any time that you are shopping and you are faced with a mass array of decisions to make when it comes to bourbon, if you see Wild Turkey 101, pick it up, and that is all. All right, ma'am. You did say you were uh, imbibing. What, what do you got going on over there? So um, I'm super fancy. Uh, nobody wants me drinking liquor because uh, I am an angry redhead, a soulless redhead. Yes. Soulless. So okay. Alcohol She's brings out the the devil in me. Fair enough. Um, so instead I get the cheapo 20% off six pack at HEB and nice. I put it in my fancy, I just did my first ultra marathon. Did you so really? this is now my wine glass is my finisher's mug from my 52K trail oh ultra marathon. Okay. So there's a ton of fitness stuff that I wanted to touch on with you because you mentioned CrossFit. I do that as well. Um, but before we even get started, what I mean, I, I kind of have an idea of why, but what led you to say, you know what, let's go do the ultra marathon. So, so this is actually crazy. A girlfriend of mine, um, has, she's an avid runner and I've been making her do CrossFit or we met at a CrossFit gym, but she's an endurance athlete. Okay. So every time I make her squat, she says, oh, I'm going to make you run. She still lives in Houston and I'm now moved to the San Antonio area and I found out I had to have some pretty complex shoulder surgery. Ooh. So she's like, well, you can't lift for a while. So I'm going to, I'm going to run your butt into the ground. Mm. I said, okay, sign me up. And literally that day we both signed up for this trail ultra marathon. So yes. we signed up in July. I had my surgery, I think it was August because mm. the goal was to be healed enough to go on a bow hunt in okay. September, early October. So I had my surgery like the day after I had the MRI so that I could get back into to pull in my bow. Mm -hmm. And turns out they wouldn't let me run for six weeks after my surgery. So I actually ran an ultra marathon. So this one was 52K in, in the woods with less than eight weeks of training. Super stupid. <laughs> but what makes it even better is my girlfriend who signed up with me ended up having to have a surgery 
just a couple weeks before oh, so and she couldn't run the race. Class. That's great. Good job. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> she couldn't run and I was not trained. Oh. So I did the longest ultra marathon ever. Um, but there was actually a couple guys that one didn't finish. I, uh, I found him on the side of the trail and had to help him to, to medical aid. It was awesome. Oh. Cause I got to actually use my GPS the race director, such a nerd, right. Yeah. Um, and then there was a, an old retired air force Colonel that was contemplating life and death uh on the side of the trail and he and i walked in together at the end of the 52k and i let him cross the the timing pad first and i was officially the last one who finished but i do want to say i got first place because i was the only person in my age group there you go so okay so 52k how many miles is that 33 okay so once upon a time, I, before this was pre-CrossFit, I was in a running phase. Cause you get this, you're in the military. Mm-hmm. I think everyone goes through a running phase. Um, and I was coming out of my drill starting time. And so I was used to running a lot. And I was just like in the middle, I had done a few half marathons and mm-hmm. I was like, let me do, I'll train for a full marathon. Right. Perfect. So the first one I did, uh, it was, it was in Vegas in December. It was 2012 and it, it kind of led up into our, our deployment to Afghanistan. So I was like, this would be a good thing. I'll be in shape. Um, so when I got to like miles 23 and 24, it was like, I got shot with an arrow into the hamstring. Like my, yeah. those, those last four miles took an hour. Like it was bad. Yeah. I may have, well, I should have just walked, you know, and it would have been the same. It would have been like a ruck mark page. Um, but the bad thing is this, and I will never show the picture of me finishing. Cause my goal was to break four hours. And because of that, and I was like I was a few minutes over four hours, there's a picture of the finish line. I am getting beat by this woman. Who's probably close to 60. She's coming in. Now I still don't know if it's because they funneled in the half marathon or the full marathon finishers all into one point. But still, if you look at the finishing photo, it's me behind this old woman. And nice. I'm trying, I'm, I'm just like, so you know what? Nope. It's never going to be shown. And that's the only picture of the finish line. That's it. It's just me and her. And she's ahead of me by like 10 feet. So I will never show that picture, but there you go. Yes. Yes. My first half marathon, I was actually passed by a one-legged man who had running crutches. He didn't even have a prosthetic. (laughs) So you'd like to do really crazy physical stuff, but is it safe to say you're not just, you know, you're not like super athletic? No. Yeah, okay. No. Cause that's kind of how Not I, I just like to do the physical stuff. Here's a great yeah. one. Afghanistan, right. Led into that. So over in Kabul, where we were, we ended up doing the Marine Corps marathon in conjunction with them doing it back home. So yeah. our compound was 0.67 miles or 0.68 miles around. So it was 37 laps and they blew a horn every hour. So we would go another direction. This is the mm. most boring, miserable experience of my life, but I did it because we got a day off if we signed up for it. Nice. <laughs> that is very Joe-tastic of you. Yes, it was. So that's, those are my two marathons that I've completed in this, in this time. All right. So you did a, you did an ultra marathon. How'd you feel after that? Cause that's, I mean, I know you said you didn't run the whole thing, but you weren't trained, but were you just wrecked or. Um, it was weird because, uh, I recover. I always recover fairly quickly where okay. I'm okay. So I wasn't sore incredibly, but it was 16 days ago, something like that. My lower back is, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get talked into stupid stuff. I'm 43 years old. I get talked into stupid stuff. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. Huge milestone. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so my lower back still hurts. So I was front squatting today and it was, Ooh, that's it's just really, a weird that's, thing. That's really because, good for the lower back. Cause it just pulls you forward. So that's good. news. Well, I just had shoulder surgery, so <laughs> I can't too. back squat. Cause I can't Perfect. get my arms back there. Well, I was going to say, I feel like the front squat would be, I know you can do it easier, but that's probably worse. Cause it's more shoulder dependent than the back squat, but you're going to do that's it. That's what you, my physical therapist told me too, but you know, what, what do whatever. Know? I don't listen to you either. <laughs> Okay. So that's good. I mean, you're still active and uh, you wanted to actually the dumbest thing I ever did. So I, I know you do uh, the CrossFit stuff. Do you follow like the competitive stuff of it? Like CrossFit games? Um, I used to. Okay. Do you, do you remember? I think it was two years ago. They did that the full marathon row. Yes. We yes, did that. Dumb. Yeah. That you was, did. Yep. We did that. We did it outside as California was burning. So we had ash all over us by the time we finished. So it was great. Good. Very good for healthy. The lungs, good for the skin. Very, good. very <laughs> really dumb overall it's like is there really nothing better you could do for three hours but there, apparently there wasn't so um, so yeah i do a lot of dumb stuff too that's good it's good man yeah. good. I, I should transfer to your unit it would be great um yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now that we've established you like to you you have a, a an innate desire to push and or punish yourself physically let's take yes. it all the way back to the young miss jaster so you grew up where wisconsin and you're a cheesehead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you grew up a Packers fan, unfortunately. That's too bad. I did. I did. I got, I got raised into it. Still the only privately owned team. Just, you know, our stadium still owned by the public, not, not the Tostito Stadium. So do you, guys, do you have any claim to that? Do you still have it in the family somewhere? No? You have to no, live? No, we get tickets every once in a while. But yeah. uh, I'd love the new house we're building is actually on Lombardi. Really? So, yeah, cool. here in the New Braunfels area is on so Lombardi. the Packers. While I do hate them, I can they're the one team I can at least respect. Everyone else in the division, no, I hate the Lions, I hate the Vikings, they have no history, they're just terrible. Uh, at right. least the Packers are respectful, but I would love to go to their stadium. I finally went to a Bears game last year when they played the Cowboys, which is great because if there's any team I really hate, it's the Cowboys. <laughs> so and they beat them, so that was good. But I would love to go see them play the Bears in Green Bay, just probably. Well, definitely not this year, but just, you know, when the teams are at least yes. competitive. Yes. Yeah. They're never good at the same time. That's the problem. They um, were back in the like late eighties, early nineties. I remember yeah. like Fridge Perry and there right. being some real rivalries back then. And yeah, those, I, I, while I was alive for them, don't recall, don't, definitely don't recall them. Okay. <laughs> so you, you grew up in Wisconsin. Your, your yep. dad, from what I understand, he went to West Point. He did class in 1968. 1968. Okay. So as you were growing up, did uh was it was it kind of were you pushed towards the military or was this something that you just kind of discovered all on your own well just between us army folks right um yeah, of course this my dad be. was like why join the army you're a girl join the air force it's so much easier people still say that and i don't understand why i mean it's crazy well, i mean i understand why like Put it this way. We in the army do a terrible job of recruiting our kids. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. We always like refer them to the air force. So, well, that's because they're part of the department of transportation. I think that is true. Well, the, 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 personal, they're the army's Uber. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which is why I love them so much. I wish they would just come up with an app so I could book my AMC flights through the app instead of having to show up to the, you know, the PAX terminal and, and being there. told yeah. to just sit there for 12 hours and not move. Oh, you're canceled again. Okay, cool. But yeah. Okay. okay. So dad told you to go to the Air Force. Where, what, what was, were you, uh, did you ever explore the Air Force or how did that go growing up? Um, so here's my interesting story. You ready? All right. I, I stay ready right. to keep from having to get ready. Okay. All right. So in seventh grade, 
seventh grade, 12 so no to 13 shit. years there old. There she was, seventh grade. No shit, there I was. <laughs> My grandmother was living in Massachusetts and went to Boston shopping. And there was a book sale on, the, there was a yard sale. And for 99 cents, my grandmother bought this book called In the Men's House by Carol Barkelow. It, and she was one of the first graduates from West Point, one of the first females. So okay. class of 1980. She oh, cool. sends me this book. Never before have I thought about West Point, never thought about it, except, you know, dad made us watch the Army Navy game every year. Coming up. Read the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> one more week. Read the book, cover to cover, reread it, cover to cover, close the book get my school pictures, my seventh grade school pictures, like braces, bad perm, the whole nine yards, cut out my little school pictures and write a handwritten letter to my congressmen and senators asking for a nomination to West Point. Okay. And that was it. That was it. And so grade. when I applied to the academies, I was told I would get into West Point. I had a higher probability of getting into the schools if I applied to all of them. Okay. So I applied to all of the academies and I continued to send these letters mm. every year. They had all, when I went for my interviews to the yeah. uh, congressman who ultimately gave me my nomination, they had all of my school pictures in a file from seventh grade on. Because <laughs> you send it to the office. Yeah, a little, yeah, I know. It's yeah. it's really sad. A little, a little cringe. Maybe couldn't do that today. Maybe. I don't know. No, no. Was it a you long term congressman? Was it the same person had been there for a while or the congressman? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, it was, it was Congressman Tom Petri who gave me my nomination. Okay, cool. Um, but I don't has remember he reached anything out to about you? it. Or they, has, have you heard from him since? It's a while ago, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I graduated college over 20 years ago. Yeah, I was so gonna say, you I'm, never know. He may have moved. I don't know. He might he not have be alive. Up. I probably should Google him. <laughs> you should. I really should. Yeah, That's pretty bad. Google that. Um, but my interview, but I had a staff, enough, I'd have him Google it, but I don't have a staff, but anyway, but yeah. Somebody, so, hey. I got kids. I can yeah, get them. Kids. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So th my interview was actually during the army Navy game. So I was oh, watching the game in the lobby and they called me in for the interview and it was right. At, it was like a fourth down play and it was, it was really a terrible time to interview. So I'm they're like, do you want to just finish watching the game? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I do. Actually. But you know, it kind of showed that I was really interested in the school. Anyways, to make a short story long, um, As we I decided in seventh grade, I wanted to go to West Point and then I applied to all the academies. I did meet the representative from the Naval Academy. I thought he was, I thought he was an ass. So um, I said, I'm never going to the Naval Academy. And I never visited until six or seven years ago. It was the first time I saw oh, the Naval Academy. Oh, cool. Annapolis, right? Down there? Yes. Somewhere up, up, over. That's good. I mean, hey, first impressions, right? It steered you to the army, yeah. At least West Point. Um, yeah. So you so you get into West Point. What what was? Because it it's not a traditional college experience, and I know you've gone on to get your master's since. But yep. Um, my college experience was definitely well. First time I went because I know I told you I dropped out, and then I did eventually go back, and I have completed some educational achievements since, which is good. But my first experience was definitely not a uh, equivalent to the West Point life. So what was that like when you got, did you know, did your dad prepare you for this at all? Or is he just, he just let you kind of figure it out on your own? Kinda. I lived with my mom and my okay. dad was what you call at West Point, a ghost. Like he worked <laughs> really hard to be unseen and unheard ah. and kind of 
fade into the shadows and like the career e4 yeah yes (laughs) yes but the problem with that is when you're a redheaded female when less than 10 percent of the school is female Mm. you're not going to be a ghost there's nothing you can do so i was my West Point experience was the complete opposite of my father's. I got in trouble. I was loud. I was boisterous. I was on post restriction. I was on room restriction for a while. I mean, I just, I stuck out and everything I did wrong was amplified. And so I did more wrong because. Sounds like you should have at least went enlisted first, ma'am. You might have, <laughs> <laughs> you might have fit right I actually in. thought about it. <laughs> okay. So, so you, what, what did you major in? So I majored in civil engineering. So you have a real degree, not one of those like, you know, diploma mill degrees, you know, it's real. So I I took extra classes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Civil engineering. So super nerd. You said it. Um, (laughs) So is how, so what separate, I mean, I get it. You're doing also, you're doing the military stuff and you're living a very strict and rigid lifestyle, but what distinguishes the typical day for classes between West Point and a normal university, if you know, like, yeah. So I got to be a non-trad for grad school. So I was in the army for four years, deployed twice, um, and got to be a non-traditional student at university of Missouri Rolla, which is now Missouri university of science and technology must. Mm. Um, so yeah. (laughs) Nothing. That's, that's very DOD heavy right there. Yes. Gotta have an acronym for everything. Of course you do. Um, So I got to compare the two, the flip-flops and ponytail versus the marching to formation, marching classes. Uh, Obviously the uniform thing, um, the discipline, the mandatory meals, mandatory athletics, all of that stuff is completely different. Um, Mandatory study period, mandatory Mm -hmm. lights out. So you actually had to sneak around if you were going to pull an all-nighter to study for a test. Mm, so okay. and you could get in trouble for it so that's weird because you have it's people on staff duty. But you're not supposed to <laughs> yes yes you had people in staff duty coming in and yelling at you saying it's lights out don't don't stay up and study i'm failing so um it's it's an interesting school because for somebody like me who went from a strict household where I worked um, the whole time I was in high school. I played sports. I did a lot of extracurriculars. I had a really regimented life. I transitioned directly into West Point. It was almost as if my mom handed me off to the superintendent of the school. You know, it was just, it was kind of an extension of high school, but the classes were a ton harder. Right. Where the people that I felt bad for were the people who had some freedoms in their life, whether Mm -hmm. they had more freedoms as a high schooler, or they were in the active duty army for a while, or they went to prep school and then came to West Point. Like they knew what it was like to maybe stay up past taps. Yeah. And not wake up when Reveille sounds. (laughs) Yeah. That was my main issue is uh, early morning classes. I never went to any of them. Yeah. And that was despite me being there for a very specific reason. Like I said, to play baseball, it's like, Oh, class bro i'm just here to play baseball <laughs> right. <laughs> right. so yeah that went over well with my parents um, um okay okay so you did that uh but also let me back up so you're you're, you're also i know you went said wisconsin but you're polish yes okay yes. as am i Plinsky. 
Mine's oh, Bandazeski. Yeah. Yes, that's a so, mouthful. Oh uh, yeah. So I we my brothers found all kinds of crazy stuff. So apparently, like when my uh I think my grandfather's dad, when he came to the States, they, you know, spelled his name wrong on the, the immigration thing. And so they've dropped mm-hmm. a letter, but we can go back and trace like the the proper spelling of our name. Apparently, we're pretty successful over in Poland. Over here, we're just, you know, Very cool. just like five of us. I don't <laughs> now <laughs> I mean, you drink bourbon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, probably need to go back to the homeland. Um, although I don't know, if, I don't know what they drink over there. I could probably bring bourbon. I could do really well, maybe. Mm. You could, you could, you could start your own branch out. of bourbon. Yeah, I need to get out. I got to get out of here. Anyway, um, so okay, so you're Polish, and you're, yes. you're at West Point. You do civil engineering. You graduate. What's uh, what was that like? Did you? Did you, okay, so that's let me back up because I know how it works with ROTC, but how does the branch selection work for you guys? Do they try to put you in something that maybe so you civil engineering were they pushing you toward the engineering field? I know you didn't have well, the combat arms open to you at the time, right? So, what was right? right so, what was it like? What how did the branch selection go for you guys or for you? All right, I'm going to answer your branch selection question, but I want to give you a uh, a funny Polish basic training. So, you said you were a drill good. sergeant, I was, you know, we had drill cadets. Yes. And, you know, if you're yelling at a cadet or you're yelling at a private and they've got a Polish last name, you're going to screw it up and everybody's going to laugh. So from day one, I went to cadet basic training right when um, Nintendo's Mike Tyson's punch out came out. (laughs) You're old enough to remember that. Yeah. Great game. Great game. Yes. Soda Popinski. <laughs> Soda Popinski. A character. There you go. Nice. So that's guess, you. guess whose basic training name ah, was Soda Pop. Soda Popinski. Nice. Yep. About you. five years ago, I went to an Astros game and I heard, hey, Soda Pop. And I turned around and my kids were like, what are you doing, mom? <laughs> and it was somebody who knew me from cadet basic training. Really? That's yeah. random. That's about as random as it gets. The funny thing is like, I would actually do great as Soda Popinski because like before he would come out to fight, you'd see him in the corner drinking. And that would be me. That would be perfect. I could totally yes. do that. Okay. So good. Okay. All right. So, so back to branch. Back to it. Right? Yes. Drink up. Mm. Stay hydrated. You know how this works. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I, I transitioned straight from coffee to wine today. So they go to um, Yes, they do. <laughs> so branching. Yes. My father was an army officer who deployed to Vietnam on three tours. Damn. With special forces units. Jesus. Three. He was medically evacuated from all three tours for Purple Hearts. So if I had. <laughs> this sounds like something like, well, it's very Vietnamish, but today that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. That's another story. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. There, there can be lots of random <laughs> yes. branching here. So if I had been, because. Cause you know, like every little girl, I've got some daddy issues or maybe not every girl, but this little girl, I had mm-hmm. some daddy issues. I, you know, I probably would have thought of armor or infantry. I probably would have put them up high okay. for me. Um, being an engineer, I figured so with the mission, the secondary mission of an engineer is to fight his infantry. So I thought, well, this is close to combat arms. It's mm-hmm. either that, or at the time, what we always called the woman's infantry which was military the marines oh never mind okay oh yeah (laughs) nice i'm married to a marine do you know i know i heard i heard okay yeah be sure to relay that to him i'm sure he'll go yeah he's also on a conference call right now (laughs) so it's perfect um but yeah so so number one was engineers because i figured um 
Secondary mission is to fight his infantry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought of engineers as badass because you had all the sapper MOSs, but you had the combat heavy and you had all the construction. And the soldiers kind of had to have higher ASVAB scores. Yes. So, so you have smart soldiers, you have um, a pretty cool mission. And with MPs, although, you know, it was, it was as close as to combat arms as I could possibly get at the time. Um, I didn't like their garrison mission. I didn't, at the time, I didn't have a whole lot of affection for the LE, the, the law enforcement mission. No, the deployed I don't mission, think anybody cool. likes their garrison mission, man. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I have astigmatism, so I couldn't go aviation. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, engineers was kind of the be all end all for me. I, I put MPs a second, but I can't fathom being anything but an engineer, which, you know, huge fast forward. When I actually did graduate from Ranger School, I asked General Milley, who was uh, Chief Staff of the Army at mm-hmm. the time, and I said, hey, you know, the Army's done so much for me. This is a really awesome opportunity. I was at the, the State of the Union, President uh, Barack Obama's last State of the Union address, and I got to talk with General Milley. And I said, hey, sir, what can I do for the Army? He's like, well, come active duty again, maybe branch tra- transfer to infantry you know, show women what they could become one day. And I was like, no, sir. Nah. And his aide, which was, you know, a field grade officer at the time, yeah. looked at me and goes, nobody says no, sir, to General Milley. Oh, like, well. What am I doing now? No, I'm just <laughs> what are you going to do? Send me home to my awesome yeah. husband, great kids and great life? Like, Bummer. Yeah. My worst case scenario <laughs> is, is most people's best case scenario. Yeah. So, but I said, you know, I've always loved being an engineer, whether it was as a lieutenant or, yeah. or now as a battalion commander, it's, it's awesome. And I do, yeah. I have amazing soldiers. So the question you asked was how does branching work um, for officers? West Point kind of gets the first pick. You, you get a, okay. the academy gets a cross section. I, at the time, I think it was at least 10% had to go combat arms. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, and it could only be males. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people got forced branch field artillery, but my, my roommate actually at my first duty station was one of the first females in field artillery when they reopened it in 2000 oh, cool. ish. So, you know, she's a, she's a unicorn in and of herself. So, yeah. uh, I guess I've been surrounding myself with those people. Um, but the West Pointers get their pick and then ROTC and then the OCS kind of backfill Filters the holes because OCS graduates randomly throughout the year. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned General Milley. So when I was in Afghanistan, he was a three-star at the time. He was the IJC commander. And I used to, I was fortunate to go to all of his briefs and I, I met him a few times. He will, he would never remember me. Um, I got a really good story with him, but not to get into that, but it was his bio that struck me. Have you ever, I don't know if you ever read the man's bio. I think I did, but it's really long. So it's it's I probably extremely, stopped on like page. Three. Yeah. Like, you know, when you sent me yours, I was like, Oh, it's perfect. This is how, this is what it, like his, his bio is a damn movie. Like the dude was in combat at every level from a platoon leader on every yes. lot of command. And like the dude's still doing it. Maybe that's why he's the, you know, joint chief of staff. I don't know. Possibly. Right. Um, but yeah, crazy bio on that guy. Um, all right. So you branch, you go active, now this is where it's going to get interesting because you're, you're a young lieutenant. You're, you're straight out of West Point. You are an engineer uh, platoon leader. You do not like your garrison mission. However, 
something happened on September 10th of 2001. Yes. And what was that? Yes. So my, my first platoon was a maintenance platoon and I had okay. been biting at the bit to actually get a line platoon mm -hmm. and not too, too far before September 10th, I had taken over a um, horizontal platoon, which we learned as young female lieutenants, don't ever say I'm a horizontal platoon leader. Just letting you know, does not go over well, especially in infantry briefings. Sounds bad. It does. You read does. between the lines on it, but anyway, yes. <laughs> yes. So we, we made up various names, but horizontal platoon leader is yeah. what my ARB now says. <laughs> and I took over this platoon and on September 10th, I had a, a young E4, a, a good young man who got depressed. His girlfriend broke up with him and he put a 22 to his temple. Um, so I get a call sound asleep. I get a call at 10 o'clock at night. Hey, we can't find a next to kin for one of your soldiers. He's in neural ICU. We need you to come into the hospital. So I get dressed while driving, drinking coffee, heading to neural ICU. And there's this soldier who, I mean, I barely know his name at this mm -hmm. point in time. I've got 38 ish soldiers, yeah. somewhere between 35 and 40 soldiers. And I haven't, I haven't made a connection with all of them, especially not right. my E4s. I knew my squad leaders, maybe some of my team leaders. And so I actually thought he was a different soldier. Mm -hmm. um, until I could see his tattoos. Like in my head, I didn't connect the, the name with the face. And then I saw his, the tattoos he had on his arm. And I'm like, oh crap, you know, I'm, I'm so out of it. And yeah. it's late at night and we end up spending the whole night. We've got, we've got no next to kin. We can't contact anyone and decisions need to be made. Like, hey, what kind of surgery are we doing? Are we, right. we got life support issues and, um, the very next day, September 11th, I know that I have to go to legal on Fort Stewart and get power of attorney paperwork because I, I have to make decisions for this young soldier. And like I said, at the time, I wasn't even exactly sure who he was. Yeah. And obviously that's a terrible place yeah, to be. It is. So, so then I don't even know if I went home and got any sleep, but I went home and put on my uniform. I didn't even put on PTs mm. and I start driving into Fort Stewart and I'm trying to stay awake while driving. So I've got all the doors and or I've got all the windows open in my car. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm listening to rage against the machine screaming <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's, it's pretty big. Gosh, at the time. It's 2001. Good, it's a, yeah. I was gonna say that's a good period piece of music. That's yeah. fine. That works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm driving into Fort Stewart and there's this big, long stretch of cantonment area where if you speed, the MPs are definitely going to pull you over. So I'm, mm. you know, I'm trying not to swerve, not trying not to do anything. And I pull in and I, I park and the entire base is silent. There's nobody out doing PT. There's nobody doing anything, which Fort Stewart's huge. Yeah. And so it was weird. And as I come in, everybody in the company is sitting around a table and I kind of thought they had all heard about my soldier and they were waiting for updates because, you know, it was a, it was a tight, yeah. tight group of people. And then the TV in the, the day room was on and I saw the second tower fall and I thought, oh shit. And I didn't leave Fort Stewart again for days because I was the heavy platoon leader, the construction mm -hmm. platoon leader. 
So I had to get all the dozers out. I had all the forklifts. I had all the cranes, the lifting equipment. And Fort Stewart had a highway that went through the center of it. We had a bunch of tank trails that civilian people would, civilians would just drive off and on. So we had to berm up the exterior of all of Fort Stewart. We had to drop Jersey barriers in a ton of different places. We were breaking up roads so that people couldn't come on post without some sort of clearance or checks. I, we were in people's yards berming with D7 military issue bulldozers. And, and we did that for a couple of days. We all finally went home again, complete blur, mm. but then we needed a QRF uh, for the post. And I happened to know the SRT, the special reactions team mm -hmm. platoon leader for the MPs there on post. She was a, a lifting buddy. Nice. And, uh, and they needed a third team so that they could rotate 12 on 12 hours on 24 mm. hours off. So, um, I got somehow pulled into that and was part of the QRF for Fort Stewart for the next couple of weeks until things settled down. So pretty much all of September and half of October were a blur that year, a complete blur. And then we deployed right after the new year. Okay. So, so that was, so that's my second, well, two questions. First, this is more of a, an aside. So when I, when we mobilized to go into Iraq for OIF one, we mobilized, I was a reserve unit in Orlando, Florida, and we mobilized out of Fort Stewart. So, okay. um, Baldino subs, do you remember it? Yes. 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 All right. So <laughs> typical E3. Yes. Oh God. Baldino subs. So what we would do, so when they put us on Fort Stewart to mobilize, they put us in the old national guard barracks. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh -huh. with, okay. So my buddy and I, we would literally skip dinner because dinner at the time was an MRE. We, had, we Yeah, we had two meals. It was breakfast and lunch and dinner was like, if you want dinner, it's an MRE. Because it, it was still like when they went into do OIF1, I, I don't know if you were there. Were you back when OIF1 started? Did you? So we went to Operation Enduring Freedom, Afghanistan, yeah. first deployment, came back and then went to OIF1. Oh, oh good timing award. Yes, that's great. So. <laughs> Yeah. So all these reservists and national guard guys like, like me, we all showed up and Fort Stewart really didn't, they're like, eh, go yeah. over there. And they didn't really have a, a chow plan. Cause it's kind of like what you described, even though that stuff had been going on since nine 11, there was, I don't think anyone was ready for what was going to come with. Oh, I have one. So we no. would just skip the dinner and we would just, we would literally walk. We would go out of the gate from the national guard barracks to Baldino subs, get our sub and come back. It was like a two hour round trip. Um, which was pretty similar to some of the dumb stuff we did in Baghdad when Burger King showed up in 2003. Yeah, like, all right, I'll just wait in a three hour line. What else right. am I going to do? I'm not going home. Yeah. Really crappy food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you, you went, okay. So you, you guys, so 9-11 happens. We all know what happened shortly thereafter, but you guys were tapped as an engineer unit to go to Afghanistan after the new year. So where did you guys end up? Where'd you go into first? So our Bravo company went um, right away before Christmas yeah. to Bagram. And okay. then I was Alpha Company and Alpha Company and the remainder of the battalion went to Kandahar. Ah, the so boardwalk. have you ever gone to Kandahar? I, I did in 2014 and 13. I got to see what was left of the boardwalk. I was going to ask if you guys okay. built the boardwalk, maybe. Um. <laughs> 
So you know Shit Pond? Poop yes, Pond? I do. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> that is Alpha Company, 92nd Engineer Battalion. Hey, and congrats. yes, those were my dozer operators that burned that thing up. So um, it was our company XO who pulled the head off the chicken oh, and nice. threw it in there to start the biodegradation and well, thank Poop you for Pond your was born. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah, awesome. It's on yeah. my resume there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I caught the tail end of Kandahar. So I assume it must've been significantly uh, less enjoyable when you were there. Cause I was, well, we still had roses and um, a lot of things still existed from the local populace, but okay. a lot of the um, Tarnak farms wasn't far away. So okay. I being the horizontal platoon leader, right. My job was to do uh, minefield clearing operations. Uh, yeah. So I had the MCAP Always bulldozer, fun. the mine clearing armor plated bulldozer. Yeah. You guys were pre MRAP. So I bet that was even more interesting. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. We, we did the invasion of Iraq with soft, skin Humvees as a reserve. Yep. We didn't know any better. No body armor. We're like, oh, what's body armor? No, let's put sandbags on the floor. <laughs> like, That's fine. Well, this was pre yes. that. We didn't do that until we got the bag. Out. Like, you should probably put, yeah. So it's yeah, funny though that you mentioned it because I'm curious as what you guys had because you guys were active duty, but you were also engineers. So I assume they cared a little bit more about you guys than just some ragtag reservists like ourselves. So what did you guys have? Because like I said, it was pre-MRAT, which are the mine-resistant mine ambush protected vehicles. So you guys, mm -hmm. you had your dozers and those things which let's be honest. Yes, you can clear, but not a lot of protection of anything coming no. back to you. So no. you guys, were, were you guys have like, I'm trying to even think of when did regular soldiers, because you guys were not Rangers or operate special forces. What was, did the regular soldiers like you guys have any actual body armor yet? Or was it still the flak vest? It was the flak vest. Yeah, and different. of course, you know, this is not a sexist thing about right. being a woman, but they That's did true. not have <laughs> anything that fits small people and definitely small, not small people with curves. Yeah. Okay. But Velcro was meant to go straight down. It didn't mm -hmm. have any leeway, shall we say. Got it. And um, yeah, those stupid vests were absolutely terrible. And a, we all, we looked awful. We didn't, they didn't issue camelbacks yet. So we all bought our own camelbacks at the PX. Oh, so there's, yeah, because I didn't see one until Iraq. I didn't even know they existed. I was used to the two court canteens and the old oh, yeah? You know, yeah, canteen cups and shit. So, that, no, this is great because I love the evolution. And I hate, you know, going on a rant on, you know, the fact that we're still there 20 years later, but just the evolution of our stuff from what, yes. even when you came in, because you're still in, I'm still in, like going on 19 years next month. You've seen the evolution of so much of the equipment, vehicles, personal equipment more than anything. Yes. Uniforms. Yes. Um, let's not talk about the ACU. We'll leave that era alone. <laughs> what, what do you mean? The concrete camouflage? Oh God. You know, I love the DCU. I, I, that was my favorite thing about Iraq. Even though we only had two yes. pairs for 15 months, we had two sets. It was so good. Yes. You know, yes. and, the, but the engineers, so that's another thing. Like you talk about engineers, like we were, people don't get that. Like we were hand washing our uniforms. Yep. In yep. the little tubs until you guys, yes. the engineers showed up and built the showers. It was the greatest thing ever. It was like yes. 40 degrees in Baghdad in December, but water's coming down and it didn't matter. It's just like, oh, yes, shit. it was so great. I love engineers. Yes. Engineers are the best. All right. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> on my Iraq deployment, I was the, um, I was a company XO. Mm -hmm. So we were trading stuff you know yeah I, I wanted to ask you about your bartering agent so yeah oh I am a drug dealer <laughs> drug dealer we got so we were doing uh runway repair so um okay there's always that slag that little bit of leftover concrete in the concrete mixer and this was in Iraq 
Uh, this was in Afghanistan and then, oh, okay. then again okay. in Iraq. Gotcha, but, gotcha. I was just running the so runways. We were, All right. But we did runway repair in both. Okay. So, but Afghanistan, we would bring that last quarter yard, cubic yard back mm-hmm. and we would just dump it and we had forms and we would just dump it. And it was like these little layers and awesome. layer after layer after layer. We made this cool basketball court <laughs> and uh, it kind of looked, I, I don't know if you're a knife guy, but it looked like Damascus metal. You know how um, Damascus metal is where you take different types of metals and you melt it and you fold it and then uh, you make a knife blade out of it. Oh, okay. So hmm. fancy knives have this like swirl type pattern in it, it. Yeah, 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 okay. different metals. Yes. Well, that's what our basketball court looked like, but we made it. My, <laughs> awesome. I mean, my guys were good. So it was smooth, but it had all these little lines yeah. in it from every day's different pour. And then we drug dealed the ranger unit for, hey, if you guys can figure out a way to get us a basketball hoop with an extra net and a couple basketballs, we'll hook you up with electricity as soon as we get power in the camp, like hard electricity, not not generators. Power is powerful when you open a theater. Oh, (laughs) that is the most important thing. Yeah, that was so gonna, I was going to say is like every unit, especially every unit I've been in, involved in, I, every unit has to have one of those people, like someone who mm-hmm. can barter on your behalf. And, and to be yes. honest, I don't know about you, your experience, but in my experience, it's always the soldier that no one's putting a lot of faith in. And they're like, oh, no, I can do that. Well, at least in the reserves, active may be different because right. reserves, we come from all walks of life. You could have, I mean, you could, I've been in units where you've had, I've had, I've had an FBI agent who was literally yep. a shitbag E4. Yep. Cause he didn't care. He's like, dude, I'm fucking FBI, you know, but those are the people you don't realize. And then when you get reserve units, like, so when we went into Baghdad, I remember we had this guy O'Neill, he's this little Puerto Rican dude. His last name was O'Neill, go figure. Um, but anyway, okay. <laughs> but he was, uh, he was a cable installer dude. And he hooked us up with electricity from the engineers before yeah. anyone else on BIAP had it. And we had so That's many awesome. different people with different skill sets that like we, we lived in this little abandoned warehouse kind of on the, like, if you look at an airport, it would kind of be like a storage warehouse facility kind of that okay. we had this little bombed out section on. and our yeah. guys partnered with some of these local engineer guys. And we just, we made it everything ourselves. We put in an artificial ceiling so we could cool it. You know, we did all this stuff. We, we plussed up everything that we could think of and, and yep. acquired some extra <laughs> generators maybe. Um, and we just, if you, and we put wooden doors on our, our, so if you walked by, you just thought, Oh, building. But if you came inside, we were living. Like, yes. We were living. And I, that is, you know, I just remember, I don't know if you were in, in 2003 to Iraq, but we went in there and they're like, Oh yeah, you'll be home before Christmas. Oh yeah. Sorry. And, and then, you know, four extensions later, we were there for 15 months, but I remember Oof. you saying this, on one of the, on the interviews, like everyone assumes that that's a horrible time for you. And yes, there are yeah. bad memories, right? There's some bad stuff that happens, but man, those oh, yeah. 15 months, those were literally some of the best months of my life. Yeah, they really were. Yep. Yeah. And I've always been able to say like, the only thing that comes close to playing sports or being in a locker room is the military. Yep. That's it. It's the camaraderie. Yep. It's like, even to this day, like for what I do now, I literally go into my office and yes, we are productive. We get our stuff done, but it's literally eight to 10 hours of us just trash talking all day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everyone's like, what's it like yeah. to be in the army? That, that's it. That's what it's like to be in the army. You just, right. 
So that's why. Well, I like- um, have you seen the movie Outpost? The guy in the Outpost is in my office, ma'am. One of the guys. No that was way. There. Yeah. So Nicholas Davidson, he's from Humboldt County here in California. He was a PFC. He's got a, book, a song written about him in the book and everything that that was written on. But yeah, he was at the Outpost. Wow. I have a podcast with him. You should check it out. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, he's in my office. Nicholas Davidson. Okay. He was an E3. He's an E6 now. Great guy. Love him. If you met him, you would never think that this dude was in the outpost. He's like the most, well, he doesn't shut up, but which is kind of what the song about him is, but he's such a nice person. Like he's so nice. He's so like kind of reserved in a way. Like he's Uh not your typical like type A loud uh, boisterous. Like he's just a chill dude from Northern California who honestly, I don't know how he got into the army because I know his story, but fortunately he was, fortunately he did. And this dude yeah. was able to go do that. But anyway, say the outpost. I'm, I'll sit here and talk all night. It's supposed now, to be. No, so the reason why I was bringing it up is, <laughs> yeah. um, so I have a social media friend who, okay. who worked on that me- movie, and we've never met personally or anything like that. But I, I follow him. He follows me. Mm-hmm. So I, he recommended seeing the movie, and yeah. I had read Red Platoon, and I had read a few books. That's about, the one that uh, yeah. So he's in that yes. one, the story about yeah. There you so go. I thought okay, well I'll I'll rent it. I was I was at a military training, so I was sans kids, so I could watch a movie with gore and cursing yeah. without without feeling bad or having to stay up after nine p.m., which <laughs> is where I am at forty three, and. <laughs> <laughs> looking nope. forward to it can't wait yes um so i watched the movie and when people ask me they're like what is it like to be a soldier now thank god i've never been in a firefight like that mm-hmm. i you know for anybody who has utmost respect and if you make it through and get out on the other side god bless you and yeah. you know a, a ton of things i can say about that but the banter in the movie is yeah. the truest i've ever seen mm-hmm. And in the book, it's even better, yeah. but yes, it's, it's, it's not even the shit talking. It's the fact that you can say the most real things. And this is what I missed when I got off active duty mm-hmm. is, you know, when you're in a deployment environment, you can say the most real things. You can say what's on your mind mm-hmm. and nobody gets offended. Yeah. You know, people have said some of the most sexist biased <laughs> things to yeah. me in a deployment. And I took nothing from it other than dudes having a d- bad day or man i want to meet that chick that you were deployed with that gave right. you that impression yeah or hey i'm gonna kill that impression that you got like you think that women are this way i'm gonna i'm gonna bust my ass to prove to you that we're not mm-hmm. and but take that same conversation out of uniform and it just it has a whole different twist. It's got anger and frustration and yep. sexism and all the stuff associated with it. But the minute you put us back in uniform and, and maybe it's a poor acceptance of, of how people really think, but in uniform, you get to see the real person mm-hmm. to a degree and understand that I don't know that they're really biased but they're telling me what's going through their mind, which is awesome because they have to have my six. And if I don't know how they really feel, how can I trust them? So I mentioned the movie Outpost just because you're talking about the trash talking Mm -hmm. and all that banter, all those side conversations, all of my, (laughs) I spoke at a commissioning, my brain is all over the place. That's good. That's why we drink. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I spoke at a commission ceremony at um, it's Texas Texas A and M Prairie View, and okay. yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so I was talking to all these brand new second lieutenants, and I said the coolest thing about being in the army is when you guys get on your next airplane, whether it's going home after graduation, whatever, you're gonna see a Velcro patch on somebody's backpack, on their boot, on their jacket, and you're gonna recognize it as a military patch. And because you're in the US military, you're gonna go over and buy that person a drink. You're gonna end up talking to them until you hear your name being called because you're late for your flight. Mm -hmm. And you will never see this person again. You'll mm -hmm. probably never know their name. Right. And you'll have some of the most real conversations with this complete stranger because they had a hundred and first patch on their backpack. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's the best part is um, it, it may be a little different for you because of, you know, you are your battalion commander, slightly different. Like I said, from, from myself. So what I like to do when I'm in airports with young soldiers, especially um, now it's even better because I frequent an airport where a lot of people come are coming back and transitioning on leave. So I like to listen mm -hmm. to them talk amongst themselves at first. And the, the best thing in the world is to listen to a private coming back on block leave and they don't know you're <laughs> in the military. It is so right. good. Like it is just, and I, I, I love that because I, I hear what you're saying. Like now there's the side, like, you know, there's, there's a saltiness to me because you know, I'm been in long enough. I'm allowed to be salty. But there is still that aspect where it's just like that dude, true or not, he thinks and feels invincible because of everything yes. he's just been doing, you know, and it's the same thing with anyone who's gone through basic training or gone through, you know, the, the OCS stuff or whatever they call it for you. What do you guys do? OBC or your, yeah. your branch course, right? You're yeah. learning all those things. You've been taught how to be a soldier. And now you're just kind of at that point where you can't wait to really do it for real, but you just feel like, like and that's why I always I feel like the PFC is the is is because that some people think it's the E4 I'm like no the E4 has been in long enough to be jaded the PFC has just been in long enough and been just he's every all the training still fresh in his head that that guy or growl she's just they're just ready to go fuck some shit up on behalf of yep. Uncle Sam they're awesome yep. and they feel invincible. And then there's always someone that will usually try and take them down because, you know, it's the era of social media or whatever. But I love right. that. Per I love that that persistent optimism that those soldiers have. And I miss it because I'll never get that again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, those, those days are gone. Um, but I do love that. And, and again, as you said, like the outpost was great. And I made the mistake of watching it with my daughter. My daughter turns 15 this month. So, Oof. yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, I knew, but I didn't know. You know, I felt you didn't read the book. Good. I remember, yeah, no, I didn't read the book. I got the guy in my office who's told me enough about it. I'm like, oh, the movie won't be, you know, it'll be all right. You know, only two Medal of Honors came out of that. Can't be that serious, right? <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, so I remember sitting down with my parents to watch Full Metal Jacket. Mm -hmm. And I was 10, nine or 10. And I remember my dad still to this day saying, are you sure you can handle this? And I'm like, sure, I don't know. You know, I don't know what's going yeah. I'm going to watch. Um, and I don't really remember much after that. I just know, like, you know, if you've seen Full Metal Jacket, you know what it's about. Um, yep. But I felt like, you know, you know, my daughter should probably watch and see what's going on for, I don't know, before she was born at this point, unfortunately. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. How crazy. old are your kids, ma'am? 12 and 8. Okay. And They're not watching it. 
No, 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 I wouldn't say watch it yet, but I'm just saying like, there'll come a point and you'll get that, that, you know, they need to know what their, what their parents have done. Like, I'm sure your husband's yeah. deployed as well. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's reality. And then they, it, it's best, I think for them to kind of, you know, maybe not experience it, but at least understand the stuff that's been going on. Cause I don't, especially dealing with the stuff that I deal with today, trust me, people yes. have long forgotten or the ones yeah. that we're recruiting today do not, they weren't even alive. Let's put it right. that way. So that's crazy. It is. And so I always feel like every generation has their, their moment and ours was nine 11. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately I feel like theirs is going to be this virus. And I don't think it's a call to serve like some of those no. things that have come before. It's not actually, it's really not a call to serve. And I wish it was, uh, but that's another, that's another story. So now let's finally get into this. So you went to what sapper school? No. no. Oh, that's right. You went to ranger yeah. school. Okay. So yeah. I wanted to go to sapper school, but I had to choose back in 2005. Yeah. Like, hey, we have a company. How'd that go? So is sapper school open for the women? Yes. In your field? Okay. Yes. But you, you... has been for a while. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Cause um, yeah. so, so sapper school, I think opened in 99 or 2000, maybe it was earlier, okay. uh, but late nineties. And I had an opportunity to go to sapper school, but it was, um, I was slated to take command and I was okay. stationed in Korea. And it was one of those, Hey, if you go back for sapper school, you extended in Korea so you could get command. That was before it was a rotation when it was yeah. a one year rotation okay. versus whatever it is now. Hey, I did three weeks for annual training in Korea. Camp Casey, nice. December nice. 2002. I am a kimchi veteran. and soju. That's all you oh, need that's to know. It. I got it. I still have the poster of I took down from a bar. Um, yep. And the yep. guy I got in my one. office, new guy, he's from Korea, gave me a, a bottle of soju. It was great. Um, anyway, Very good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, so yeah, it was, hey, go, go back to the States, go to sapper school, or you can take company command. Okay. So okay. that was a no brainer for me. Yeah. I mean, why do we stay in the army? Not for badges in schools, but right. to lead soldiers. So I took command, ended up taking two commands while I was in South Korea. Awesome experience. Yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. Words, words, words. Great weather. Um, <laughs> what? Great weather. Yes. Yes. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic weather. It rained on every range day ever. Yes. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's very army. Yes. Very army. And so um, I actually got out. So I was in the army active duty from 2000 to 2007. Um, I, mar I married my Marine. Um, he got out off active duty, was kind of following me for a while, joined the reserve, um, volunteered for a deployment. And I thought, mm, I just, I just don't see a life where my very alpha husband, and honestly, I was either going to marry an alpha or a wallflower. Um, <laughs> and I would have crushed a wallflower very, very early in the relationship and would be divorced. Yeah, I was going to so, say, I mean, that would be also very army. You have to at least get one. Fortunately, I yes. still have never had my divorce yet. So that's good. Um, but yes, yeah, that would, would fit right in. So it's good that yes. your husband and you guys found each other. We did. We did. And so I found my Marine and we realized we could never get stationed together on active duty. Mm. He did not want me to get out. He's like, you're, you're really good at this. You really love the active duty service. Don't get out. I'll follow you around. And I just thought, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that happening. I don't see it being successful. Um, I also, on my first deployment, I had deployed with a woman who had had a baby six or eight weeks mm. before we headed off to uh, oh, damn. Afghanistan. Jesus. Hmm? 
that's horrible. Six to yes. eight. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yes. So like on the flight over, we're trying to get her milk to stop coming in. Oh, wow. That's, but insane. I mean, that's wartime army, right? Yeah. So I didn't want to deal with that. And I thought, mm. God, I don't have any kids. I found the love of my life. Mm -hmm. He can actually put up with me. It was my warrant officer. <laughs> I know <laughs> my warrant officer, who was also um, a certified pastor, looked at me one day. He's like, "Hey, ma'am, you better you better do whatever you need to do to keep this guy because I don't know anyone else will have you." <laughs> and it wasn't a nice way to say it, but I yeah. mean, I did find somebody who is a match, right? Like is truly a match and mm -hmm. I still like him and we've been together 16 years now. So that's, that's we, uh, solid. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got out and I was always going to join a reserve unit. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be breastfeeding on an airplane to Iraq. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm going to maybe take a break. Mm -hmm. So I took a five-year break in service, which was supposed to be three years. I was just going to take a short break in service, have my babies mm -hmm. and, and whatever. Right. Well, so all y'all recruiters don't know how to deal with officers. Just saying. I, it's, it's a MEPS thing. Let's put it that way. Every mall <laughs> I went to could tell me how to enlist, but nobody could tell me as a That's captain fair. how I hey, could get in the reserve. Yeah. So I finally had, um, somebody found me on Facebook uh -huh. and they sponsored me and they brought me back into the army as a DEMA, a drilling individual, individual augmentee. Mobilization yeah, augmentee. Yeah, one of I never you remember know, the M. It's never. I probably need to look that up. Yeah. Um, so they brought me in as, as this DEMA. So I, you know, I did this drilling and it, we barely ever wore uniforms. We went to the range kind of for fun. Um, we jumped out of planes in a civilian capacity <laughs> we went mountain cl rock climbing we did yeah. defensive driving on a closed race course i mean we did a whole lot of military training yeah yep fit to yep. fight and then um my star major was on the shooting team and so the army combat team is a reserve competitive shooting team it's like hey we need to get you involved in this so i got involved with it once and then I get an email from them saying, hey, did you know the army just put out an Alarac and they're letting, they're letting women go to ranger school. I'm ah. just, hey, Sergeant Major, that's cool. <laughs> Dead silence. He writes me back. So me and the guys were kind of talking and we really think you should go. I wrote back one line. I like room service. <laughs> that's it so this that's was a whole peer, this was a peer pressure thing okay now the truth comes out it wasn't like yes. you just always wanted to be a ranger no like way. everything else in the military there's peer pressure involved all right great so there no, we i got suckered into this just like i got suckered into the ultra marathon like this go. is a, hey, i bet you can full circle full circle yes yes the same mentality got me stuck at ranger great. so, so cool. star major robbie Payne, great okay. guy calls my husband and he's like, Hey, big Al, Lisa would be perfect for this. You know, we're, we're, we're even part-time for reservists. So you know, <laughs> reservists are part-time, yeah. but IMAs are like uber part-time. Take it to another level. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We may or may not remember our boots when we go to drill. Like <laughs> that was the level I was at. It's fair. And so, so our major calls, calls, uh, I guess 
Major Jaster at the time, my husband. Mm -hmm. Yes, we were Mr. and Mrs. Major Jaster. Nice. Very good. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so Robbie calls Alan. He's like, your wife needs to do this. And so at the dinner table in front of the kids, my husband just completely sucker punches me. He's like, hey, um, so what does your signature block say in your email? I'm like, ah. <laughs> so it was, it's an Einstein quote. A ship is safest at the shore, but that's not what it's built for. Hell, he starts in on yeah, this. Look at that. That's good. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. I've seen everything else. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't even know if Einstein actually said it. I'm, I'm finding out that it doesn't he's matter. Getting misquoted yeah. a lot I mean, lately. there's so many things. Just put Einstein next to it and it's, oh, it sounds official, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so Alan asked me about that. And then he's like, well, let's just, let's just look at this ranger school thing. So we started going through the list. He's like, the hardest thing for you is going to be running five miles in under 40 minutes, but yeah, that's pretty rough, but you can do it. And I'm like, but baby, I, I, I like room service like, <laughs> right there. I, I'm, I'm really cool with, I was yeah. working for Shell Oil Company at the time. I took a King airplane down to my project sites. There was hot coffee in the airplane. And how old were you when this so I, I was just about to turn 37. I turned right. 38 okay. two weeks after I graduated from ranger school. Okay. So that's the other thing, but uh, cause I want you to keep going, but I just want people to realize like, look, there's a big difference when you're in your late thirties, as opposed to your late twenties, when it comes to any of this mm. type of stuff, let alone whole, whole high speed schools, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you might in the back of your mind, like, Oh, I could do that, but I don't want to, cause you like, right. You like room service, right? You're not at that point. Like You're just service. not thinking about that stuff at that point. So, okay. All right. There you go. Yeah. I'm a big fan of glamping at this time. <laughs> That's big up in NorCal where I'm at. So yeah. Yes. Anytime you need to yes. glamp, 800 yes. bucks a night. Got it. Perfect. <laughs> so, so Alan asked me a very, very simple question and he says, um, because I had said, let one of these young girls who's trying to cut their teeth and make a name yeah, for themselves, yeah. let them be the first. Mm -hmm. Like, let them do that. That's that's a young man's game. Yep. And he says, but what if you don't try and nobody graduates? You're just going to sit at the dinner table every night and be like, well, I coulda. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Duh, I don't know why she failed. She gave yeah. up. She quit. <laughs> right, she, right. she wasn't prepared. Like you, there's all this stuff that, that happens. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess I can. And, and so, so I made it official and I went to Facebook and told everybody I was going to go to ranger school and that was it. So I thought you were about to say it there, but you didn't, but it, I think it, it was it your mom that kind of said stuff to you guys every yep. single day. And what was it? What would, what would your mom say? Cause I think this is a yes. great, everyone needs to yeah. kind of hear this message because Man, when I heard it yesterday, driving back, I was just like, oh, okay, we're just going to talk directly to me. That's cool. Um, but yes. what, what was the message that your mom used to say to you guys growing up? So it's funny that, you know, Alan was saying, hey, don't ever say, you know, you're going to sit there and second guess and you're going to say, mm -hmm. I should have, I should have, or I could have done this. And my mom, when we were little kids, my brother and I, she, she used to tell us, you know, moms have all their different sayings like, mm -hmm. oh, your grade doesn't matter. It's the effort that counts. <laughs> but you know, all those super important things. But she always said, don't ever look back and say, I should have, I could have, or I would have. And it was basically uh, Diane's version of 
live a life without regrets. Mm-hmm. But I've I've actually I've actually spent my ind- adult life thinking of two things every time I make a stupid decision. One, no, if I do this, I don't do it. <laughs> will I say I should have, I could have, or I would have? And then the second one is, can I call my mom? Yeah. If I get it, like if I get thrown in jail for this one, yeah. can I call my mom and have her bail me out? Right. Like if if I can't call my mom about it, or if I w- will end up saying I should have, I could have, or I would have, I I probably should just I should say no. Yeah. Luckily, my mom's pretty cool, so um, there's not a lot of things I've said no to. <laughs> well, I mean, along those lines, I think a those are two great things. So that I would have, I should have, or I could have. Those are things that 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 should that's probably speaking. Anyone who's listened, that'll speak to you. If it doesn't. You, you must be significantly better off in your, and well-adjusted than we are. But I feel like everyone mm-hmm. can identify with that because there's something in your life that you haven't done, you feel like you should do, or you're putting off and sinking. There's going to be something that's going to make you want to do it eventually. I think that, I th- like I said, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, we're just going to just, it's, it's putting me on blast because it was for yeah. a lot of things that I'm trying to do. But also that last part, so my father was a corrections officer when my brother and I were growing up. And I remember him very Ooh. distinctly saying, look, if I ever come to work in the morning and you or your brother are there, <laughs> that's where you will stay. So that was my deterrent. Like he was never nice. like, oh yeah, I'll get you guys out. Yeah, I'll take care of you. I'll get, no, he's like, that if, if I ever come to work in the morning and I see you in the jail, that's where you're staying. And so um. th- that was a big deterrent for me, but I think it's, that's very, especially, I think more so because whether we liked, whether we like it or not, I have a daughter, I'm a father of a daughter. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important what you're saying because males, men, whatever you want to refer to them as still get the benefit of the doubt for a lot of things, especially growing up as a, as a, just growing up. And there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's cultural or societal norms that are thrust upon women that are very different from men. Yes. And so I feel like what you just said is, <laughs> can I call my mom or can my daughter call me before she does or after she does something? And I think that's very, that's a powerful, that's a very powerful right. statement because maybe people don't think that, but in their subconscious, there's something very similar. Like, man, can I, is this something my parents would be proud of? Whatever it is. And I get it right. also that not everybody has that parent or not everybody has someone who cares about them like that, but it's still a very important message that I think people should hear. Yes because it's true. Like that should be your guiding principle, whether that's your, you know, your moral compass or whatever it is, like you should ask those questions before you do stuff. And I'm not going to pretend that I've always done that. Cause I've still done some dumb shit that my parents and my dad don't know about. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm turning 40 in a few weeks. So I'm alive. So right. what up dad? Right. My dad's alive. I'll see him in a few weeks. I'll tell him all about it. But <laughs> Yeah. On your 40th birthday, you have to lay out all the things that you never told him before. <laughs> not happening. Not ha- He no. doesn't want to, you know, he's, he, he's too old for that shit at this point. <laughs> <laughs> heart right. attack time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I, I could tell my mom, my dad, I, the heart, it's not, nah, it's not good. Um, so, <laughs> so, all right. So at this point you decide I'm going to do ranger school you apply. Yep. So let me, let me ask that though, because I think that's very, cause I'll be honest. I I've been very fortunate because I always was a reservist before I did what I do now. Um, but I always found like, there's a lot of obstacles thrown at reserve members from doing things as she transitions. I do. <laughs> I have to transition. Kids went to bed. So now I get to go to the living room. Hold oh, on. even great. So 
but was was it ever was it hard for you being a reservist like were they kind of like ah we need active duty only because oh my god all the obstacles that you don't even up right so that's why i was curious not only are you you're 37 you're a major you you don't exactly check the boxes of probably what they were looking for not at all not even okay so take it from there then so here's the fun part here we go not only as a female is it damn near impossible to uh, get a slot to ranger school, mm-hmm. but once you do, you have to get a physical mm-hmm. and you have to get a packing list and you have to get all of this other paperwork done. So I am a IMA. So I don't get, you don't I don't have, have regular drill. <laughs> I haven't done a 20K rock in yeah. since, so this is 2015. I haven't done a 20K ruck since 2004, 2003, when I was part of 3ID or when I was a force comm asset at Fort Stewart. So this is not, this is not something that um, I can even get myself certified for. So I can't find anyone who can get me on a military installation, can get me a ranger school physical. And then being over the age of 35, I've got to get an additional physical, like you've got all this category right. and then you have the old man stuff. Yeah. And it's all old man stuff. Yeah. There's no it's old women old stuff yet. <laughs> so, so I've got to figure out a way to get all of this done. Um, so what I did is again, God bless my husband, but I literally went to an urgent care facility oh. on December 23rd, two days before Christmas nice. with a blank check a blank check. (laughs) (laughs) I downloaded this from the internet. My son just lost his tooth. (laughs) What's up? Hey, congrats, buddy. All right. It's his last baby tooth. So we're pretty excited. Good job, man. Can I get a double bicep pose? No. All right. Oh oh God. (laughs) There it is. Yeah. boy. (laughs) Don't encourage him. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is what happens when you do these things at night. Okay. I've been there. (laughs) So I've got a blank check urgent care. And I had Googled whatever the DA form is for a ranger school physical and printed it out, whited out what whoever's information had uploaded it to the Googles <laughs> and then made another copy and gave it to these civilian healthcare providers in Houston. And I just stayed there for four hours. So and let me cut you off real quick, ma'am, because I just want for anyone who may be listening to this, who has any doubts that this was something that. So to be clear, the Department of the Army did not hold your hand through the process of getting certified. No. Oh, oh, I just wanted to just wanted to verify that for anyone. OK, but anyway, so there you are. No shit. There you are. You're in Houston. Um, the no Army shit. is not making this easy for you. So there you go. Because yes. apparently that's what I mean. You just you showed up and you graduated, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Good. All I right, did I'm not back. have to right, walk back. the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't even want to tell you how much it cost. So four hours, Got it. civilian health care providers. Tracking. Um, yeah. And of course we didn't fill out everything a hundred percent correct, but luckily at pre-ranger it's run by the national guard. So okay. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. women had to graduate from our tack, the, uh, the assessment course, yeah. the ranger training assessment course yeah, run yeah, by yeah, the yeah, National yeah. Guard yeah. at Fort Benning. It's a two week course. So while you're there, they check your medical paperwork. I actually had to redo all of the really uncomfortable old lady tests oh, that awesome. 
um, nobody wants to talk about in public um, while I was at RTAC, but they got me squared away for actual ranger school. The Hell second yeah. issue is I was in a non-uniform wearing unit. Oh, so you don't even so, have uniforms. I don't have uniforms and you've got to show up with seven <laughs> magazines and you've got to show up. I, yeah. I had one uniform, one of the concrete camouflage uniforms. Nice. And I'm living in Houston. So it's three and a half hours to Fort Sam. Ellington Airfield doesn't have army uniforms and everything I need. So I'm ordering AFIs online, calling buddies. <laughs> you, know, you have to show up with a mirror so you can put on your camo. Yeah. Mine was a Mary Kay mirror that I bought at Walmart <laughs> and I put, awesome. I put mossy oak duct tape on it so that it, it wasn't purple. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, you didn't like, know about like Ranger Joe's and commandos with the little bag kits of Ranger school kits? Yeah. You know, I, they don't have those in, I, that's in Houston. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that's on top awesome. of all of that, you ha- there's this huge list of things you have to be pre-certified for. Yeah. So um, weapons, breakdown, disassembly, reassembly, functions, clearing, uh, different types of radio comms. Mm-hmm. So the last time I had used a military GPS system, we had the plugger. Yeah. Do you remember the plugger? Yeah. Like this oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. The plugger doesn't exist anymore. Nah. So I didn't know. Moved this. on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I hadn't touched a 240 since late 90s. I mean, again, when am I going to break yeah. apart a saw? There's no reason. There's no reason. A 240. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'm, Got it. I'm a construction officer in the army. Right. And, and now I'm not. There he goes again. Just, yep. yeah. <laughs> no posing. No posing. He wants to come back. <laughs> Eric, you're not helping. I love this kid already. Yes, yes. He has to go to school in the morning. So try, try to help me. Got it. All right. Um, so I've got none of this stuff. I'm trying to order it online. You know, they don't send magazines through the mail. Like you can't That's, just order. Yeah, it's kind of frowned upon, especially where I'm at. That ain't happening. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, Texas. <laughs> not 30 rounds. At least. So, yeah, I was about to say, at least you're in Texas. <laughs> Um, you have to show up with a compass. I can't check one out of my arms room. I don't have an arms room. So my star major, because he suckered me into this, sent me his personal magazines, his personal compass. And he's still mad at me because his compass is now in the um, Smithsonian. Yeah. I was going to say, Hey man, sorry. That's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It didn't, it didn't come awesome. back. Um, yeah. He is. I, I, that reminds me, I still own my compass, but, but so I don't know what to do. And my husband is in battalion command at the time at Fort Sam. So on January 1st and January 2nd, I'm leaving for pre-ranger on January 16th. And I have to have this huge list of land navigation and all this stuff checked off. Well, my husband's active duty Marine Corps gunny, gunner, I just got the lecture. Gunner. (laughs) Gunner. (laughs) So yeah, not Gunner's the E7, the, the E4, right? <laughs> the the chief. Yeah, okay, there we go. The chief. Yes. Chief. Yes. The warrant officer comes in on New Year's Day in January 2nd and teaches me classes. And then his armorer, his comms guy for his battalion, these are full-time Marine Corps guys that mm. are they call them the ini similar to our agr program but are right, active yeah, yeah. they're active duty guys that are assigned yeah. to his battalion spend their vacation days with me 
training me on weapon systems and land navigation and awesome. the new GPSs and I mean, stuff I hadn't done in years. And if it wasn't for them, I literally couldn't have gotten certified. Yeah. And then to top it all off, you know, you've got to prove that you do, you can do a 20K ruck march in under three hours. So I end up doing a, the, I think it was Austin, half, the Woodlands half marathon, because that way I'd had a chip time. So I did it with a pack. And I carried the American flag to simulate uh, simulate a rifle. So that that was how I proved that I could finish a 12 miler in under two hours. I just had to, or under three hours. This one was in the woodlands outside. Oh, okay. I was about to say, they must've loved you there, but anyway, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Rehydrate as she rehydrates. So, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to, to, to point out like the fact that you're the unit, the, the, the Marines in your husband's unit, how they, they assisted you with this. This goes back to what I said about the only thing close to playing a sport is the military because yes. it's that camaraderie. Like you may, even if you, even if you don't like each other, that's still your brother or that's your sister. And no one gets, yep. no one gets to fuck with you, but yeah. you, right. So, but I, I love how they took you kind of under their wing to make sure that, Hey, you need to know this stuff and we're going to do whatever we can to make you successful. You know I mean? So like, I got another twist for you. Oh, there's more. <laughs> yes. Yes. So this is fourth recon battalion and these guys. Oh, so are, these guys know what they're doing. Yes. But there are some tough yeah. motor scooters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, the conversation of course is, Hey, what are you doing this for? And yes. this is be this the is, first like woman trying to, to do something combat arms related and the Marine Corps was kind of the last to get on board on the full integration. Mm-hmm. And here's the coolest thing about it is I actually had one of them look, look me in the eye and, and, and Gunner said, he's like, I don't know how I feel about women in combat arms, but I know if you're going to fail, it's going to be, be because you can't handle it. It's not going to be because I didn't train you. Right. And I just thought, what an awesomely mature way to look at it. Like here we have, right? huh? That would be anyone. It didn't have to be because you're a female. Like it's the same because let's not, I want everyone to understand when it comes to ranger school, men fail this all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's not because of, you know, the, the fact that they're a male, it's, they just weren't they whatever reason, they just weren't there at the moment. Right. They they didn't, for whatever reason, they, they didn't make it through. So it's not, I think what he's saying is, is the perfect thing that people need to understand. It's not because you weren't trained. It's because ultimately it's going to come down to you as an individual. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I just thought that was, um, with all the resistance I got over the years, my, my Vietnam veteran dad who deployed Mm. with special forces, these recon Marines who are pure badasses down, down to every fiber of their being, you know, they're looking at me and saying, Hey, I'm going to give you all the tools you need. Not because I support women in the infantry, not because I support anything else, but because you're going to go and either succeed or fail on your own merit. Mm -hmm. And that kind of drove, um, the way I look at things now. So I, on my social media posts, I have hashtag delete the adjective. And the concept is I don't want to be an awesome female soldier. I don't want to be strong for my age. I don't want to be any of those adjectives. I want to be judged completely on merit. And that's what those guys were doing. They were saying, you're going to fail or you're going to succeed based on your competencies, which I thought was pretty awesome. 
this is how I'm going to title your episode, delete the adjective. But anyway, now nah, I'm taking that. That's great. Okay. So th there was something else though. I wanted to, I wanted, I mean, I want you to tell the Ranger story before, but maybe it ties in now before you tell it because everyone knows watching this, like this isn't the first time you're telling the story, but where do you come out now? Because for those who don't know, Ranger School, Ranger School primarily, especially for officers, for more, it, it's more, it's a leadership school, right? Like it's very difficult. It's obviously going to provide things that will make an average infantry person into, you know, something better, and then they can move on if they want to into the special forces world. But um, still, you did that. But from what I've listened to you say before, like you weren't doing this because you wanted to go be in combat arms, right? Like that's not what your goal was. No. But now that you've accomplished that story or that, well, I know you've also said male or female, you want the best trained soldier to your left or right. Yes. So I am just curious. And, and if he, I don't really, it doesn't matter if you really want to get into it or not, if you don't great, we'll move on. But it's going to happen. Like there, there, there's already females in the infantry. There's probably going to be females who go through ranger school. I already know there's females who have completed the special forces course, right? Mm -hmm. They've got their green beret. Do you see that as something that is just inevitable? Like these teams are going to all be integrated with females and they're there. Or do you feel like this is something we need to have because that makes us the best possible fighting force there is. Like, is it necessary or is it something that we can just say, hey, yes, they can do it, but do we really want them doing that? Because I think that ties yeah. into what the Marines were telling you. Yeah. I'm going to throw this back at you, Eric. Yes. You're, you're working as a recruiter, right? Yeah, kind of. Station commander, kinda. same thing, kind of-ish. Same thing. Okay. You right. work in recruitment. Yes. Yes. No. Let's, do, let's okay. do that. Yes. So how many and times do you get a guy... I have put females into the infantry, if that's what you were going to Okay, that's not what you're going to ask. Nope. Okay, great. No, nope, <laughs> no, I'm not going to put you on the spot that way. But how many times have you had guys walk into your office and say, I don't want combat arms? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. So Most of them don't. And I was going to say, like, you know, the hardest MOS to probably, or field to recruit for? Yours. Infantry? No. Yeah. Oh, really? No one has ever walked into the office and said, I want to be in a horizontal engineer unit. They don't even know what that is. They have no idea what that is. No one's ever but, said they want to be a 12 November. They just, it, it's never mm -hmm. once came out of anyone's mouth. It's either Crazy. infantry or it's, or they don't want to do any of that. They just want medical. They want to be in the medical, you know, we yep. have so many different medical jobs. Um, but yeah, I didn't go ahead. Yeah. Well, so the point is why, why are we sitting here talking about recruiting and then telling half of our potential fighting force. No, you can't do any combat jobs. Right. Like that, that's the part. There's so many men out there that don't want to. And then there's yeah. a surprisingly lot of females that do, right. You know, and, and they want to. So, so if they can, and if it's competency based, yeah. let them, uh, our army, especially a lot of the arguments that were made against us integrating mm -hmm. were the same arguments that were made when don't ask, don't tell, yeah. regardless of what your opinion of right. gays in the military is LGBTQ plus any of that mm -hmm. stuff. But, you know, 
showers, sleep facilities, whatever. All those arguments have been made Mm -hmm. and they have, nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. Like when I was on the top bunk and there was Joe Schmo, Ranger student on the bottom bunk, he didn't care. He was snoring. I was snoring. Like nobody cares. And so everybody looks at this integration and they care. But as soon as you're integrated, you're like, dude, can you carry your own weight? Yes. Then you're cool by me. Mm -hmm. And so is everything going to be integrated? Yes. Because I got another thing, you know, another just complete sidebar. When I take off my uniform and I go into the civilian world and I go to the beach, look at your 40 year olds, Yeah. look at your 40 year old women and your 40 year old men. There is a population out there. <laughs> Damn, gotcha. What up? <laughs> <laughs> there is a population out there of fantastic moms who care about staying fit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Women, yes, genetically and biologically, there are complete differences. But if you've watched the CrossFit games, right. you know there's some women that can kick a lot of guys' asses. Yes. And it's it's not hard to find them. And it's just, yes, let them do it if they want to. Yeah. So there's there's two things I want to say based on that before you tell this the school portion of this, because they're important. One, it kind of ties mm-hmm. it with the last thing he says. All right. people need to understand this. What we're talking about are outliers, right? We're talking about outliers when it comes to those who want to go and actually pass ranger school. And then those who eventually go into special forces, these are not your average typical soldier. They're not. So when someone who's come to me and they sit down and are like, Oh, what's the difference between infantry and ranger and, you know, special forces, the way I tell it, and you could probably disagree and you may have your own interpretation of it, but I'm like, look, the infantry. All right. And Rangers and special forces, they're all essentially doing the same shit, right? It's like a sport. The infantry is, it's a college football player. The Rangers are the NFL players. And then the special forces are the guys who make the hall of fame. Like you're all playing the same fucking sport. You're just not all, you're just not all as good as the others along the way because you've been trained more or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say about what you said is, so when I went to drill sergeant school and this was, I went to drill sergeant school, ma'am, in 2008. And okay. this was a topic because I had four Rangers in my class with me who were previous Rangers. Okay. And when the drill instructor or well, the, the drill sergeant leaders found out that they were Rangers, this was brought up and it may have been an EO brief or whatever it was. I just know it was very early on. And a guy that I, I mean, I loved all these four dudes. Like this is part of my, thing that I'm writing and it goes along with your I should have would have or I could have thing which is why <laughs> it's important but anyway this guy his last name rhymes with monster and I remember he was not paying attention at all he was just sitting there he was studying is what he was actually doing and mm-hmm. they they realized he wasn't paying attention they're like hey you're a ranger what, what do you think about when the when the women eventually get into you know ranger school and they're they're serving with you as a ranger and this guy had been he had done seven deployments. He had, he jumped into Afghanistan. He had his little mustard stain, like, you know, mm-hmm. his buddy had been, he lost his buddy in a, in a, a, in a, an ambush. So he, he'd been there and done it. He wasn't just, you know, some dude who decided to get into the drill sergeant school. And he's just, his answer. I still remember me to this day stands with me. He said, if she can run and gun just like me, then why do I care? Yep. And this was at the time we had 119 of us, I think in the school no one had left or been kicked out yet. And I just remember, I think 
most people were looking to him to say, I don't want women there, but he right. didn't say that. He yeah. just said specifically, and it, 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 and it goes along, man, with the, the army standard. We have yep. a standard. You either yep. meet it or you don't. And that's yes. it. And I feel like, like, I look, I could, there, there's so many of the cool guy shit things that I always wanted to do and I didn't do them or, or there's stuff that I did do that I was like, Oh, cool. But you know, there was, you know, others with me along the way. And I never once thought like, Oh, I should just be doing this. Cause I'm a dude. Yep. Right now, it, wh- whatever it is there, we have an army standard, an army standard. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love the ACFT. I can't wait for it to start because it's a stand. Yes. Okay. That's another thing I was going to eventually get into you with you, but it's a standard. Yep. Like you don't have a right to be a soldier. It's a privilege and you have to meet a standard in order to continue to serve or meet whatever it is you're going into. You have that standard to meet. It doesn't need to be lowered because of your feelings or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Meet the standard, go forth. And I think that's perfect yes. with what you're saying with terms of range because I wasn't, it was never meant to be like, oh, do you want, do you want to see women doing, you know, killing Al Qaeda and terrorists? I'm like, women been doing that shit. That's not new. Right. <laughs> so that's what I think, and it kind of ties into what you said when it comes to the CrossFit game stuff. Like, look, there are women doing CrossFit in those CrossFit games that are, look, I'm six foot, 205 pounds. I am strong. I am not as strong mm-hmm. as those women. Right. I cannot do right. those things. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's my point. That's who we want. I don't want the average American doing any of those jobs. I want the motherfucker who wants to go do that stuff and who is physically yes. superior and mentally capable and mentally superior as well. I want the yes. best, smartest, and strongest people doing those jobs because the average American, they aren't cut out for it as it is. Yes. Yes. And let's talk about the mental aspect. I mean, what makes you able to deal with those types of combat jobs? Mm-hmm. That is not a gender-based thing, no. but yet that is killing more of our soldiers than anything else right now. I mean, we are losing the mental war. Right. And I don't care if you're male or female or what, but we need to look at that. We need to look at the right soldier for that type of job. And there is a resiliency coping. Um, Mm. I'm I'm a big fan of Sebastian Younger and his book, The Tribe. And he talks about PTSD and how Mm. PTSD is a natural reaction to a horrible situation. And if you don't get PTSD, maybe there's something wrong with you. Like you're, you should react in a, a certain biological way to those mm. extreme stresses. Well, what we're asking our combatants to do, our tips of the spear is hard physically, but it's hard mentally. And again, if you cut out half of our population and say, well, because you were born a woman, sorry, you're not capable of doing that. Yeah. Then we knock out a whole lot of people who could have that, mental capability to compartmentalize and, and, and push through this, this horrible experience. And it is, it's a horrible experience. And and the guys and gals who have been in combat, they deal with a ton of stuff. And so it's not just physical. It's not just physique. It's not just biological. There's a whole lot that goes into it. And, and I hate the mere thought that we would exclude anyone from, I mean, I was really happy. I I recently went to um, a commander's course right before I took battalion command. And we had all of the the top level G staff of the army come and speak to us either virtually or physically. And one of the things they said is 
you know, the army's new motto is people first, but winning matters. And, and we win wars, we have to win them multi-domain. We can talk about cyber and we can talk about space and we can talk about the air battles and land and sea. But the truth is at the end of the day, it all comes down to fighting a war. And if we don't have the right people who are mentally and physically capable, again, mentally and physically capable of doing that fighting, we've lost the war before we started. Right. Soapbox complete. No, that's good because I think that's the thing. And it, it reminds me of, uh, uh, I had a, a Green Beret on a few months back or a few weeks back. And he talked about, he was uh, all the, the effort that goes into kind of figuring out if these guys are mentally capable of moving forward with what they do. And I, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe it's a reallocation of the, of the budget or whatever, but I think that's very important is because we have seen, and you as you already talked about it, you're what, what was pre nine 11 for you you're dealing with a soldier who tried to kill, take their life. You know what I mean? And yeah. those things are not going away. And I get all the studies can be like, Oh, well, it doesn't happen any more per capita than civilians. Well, great. But that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to be the same as our civilian population because that's not, we're, we're being, there's more being asked of us. Yes. So you want to have those individuals who choose to go into those fields at the peak mentally just as well as they are physically because yeah. if they can deal with all the stuff that they're going to eventually come in contact with downrange then maybe you can lessen what they have to deal with when they come back yes and not that ranger school is any equivalent to any combat environment but i will tell you i still have some of my classmates that give me a hard time via social media or ping me personally because i smiled like when we were in mountains and it sucks, but I got recycled in mountains and anyone who knows about the three phases of ranger school, mountains by far sucks the most because it has mountains. <laughs> um, but I got to the peak of every mountain and I was smiling and I, I would tell people, I'm like, I can't wait to bring my kids back here. I can't wait to walk yeah. the Appalachian trail without a ruck on my back, but just, you know, my day pack. Yeah. Yeah. And it was beautiful. And there was a lot of stuff that I really, really enjoyed because I had experiences in my life that could change it for me. And, and that's one small example of, I had some coping mechanisms where there was more than a lot of people who quit in mountains. Like that was a good time to quit because it sucked. And when I went through the second time, it got cold at night and it sucked. You had bees, snakes, and cold weather and, and the mountains. Yeah. So there's lots of people who, who mentally couldn't handle it. And on the flip side, that ended up being one of my favorite times because it was so cool to think of hiking in those woods with my husband and my kids. Yeah. So yeah. Was that kind of, so was that, was that something, was that something that was kind of a driving force for you? Because I think people need to realize that, like, cause I don't want you to tell, I know you've already told, you know, what it was like to go through, you know, getting picked up and people not wanting to get in the van with you because of the cab. Oh, no, we're going to ranger school. Like I, you've told that yeah. story before and I don't want to do the same thing. So I, I, what about ranger school when you got there, what was it like for you in terms of what was quitting in terms, but let me put it that way, because you already had enough pressure heaped upon you just by the fact that, Oh, you're the first of, you know, your kind. Yeah. <laughs> so you had enough pressure before you even I was got a unicorn. there. Yeah, you had enough pressure before you even got there. So I know you you got you recycled a few times as most do when they go through this stuff. Like it's, it's rare for everyone to just kind of it's not easy, right? Right. 
Um, so yeah. what, what was your, what was your driving force? And, and aside to that, what was, what was the, what was it for you that wasn't going to allow you to just give up? So I will say, this is so stupid because it started as something grand. You know, I'm going to mm. be one of the first women. I'm going to, yep. I'm going to change America. I'm going to, I'm going to delete. Yeah. I'm going to delete the adjective. Uh, no, I was oh. going to delete the combat exclusion act. Oh, okay. like where women go. can go yeah. to combat. I'm going to, I'm going to do all these things and I am going to delete the adjective. Damn it. And then I'm like, ah, oh, I want to be a good example for my children. And I want to open doors for future women. And honestly, it ultimately ended up with, I shaved my head for this shit. I can't go home with just a story. Great. That's yeah, that's a good line. <laughs> the ranger instructors would say you either go home with a tab or a story. And that's, everybody that's who doesn't point. graduate from ranger school has this fantastic story of why they didn't. And yeah. they're all true. And I'm like, I can't have a shaved head and just a story. And, and that's, that was literally went through my, through my mind every day. And you know, where I think you, you might've thought I was going, and I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to hypothesize here is, you know, um, people asked me if my kids were my motivation. And it was really funny because at the start of ranger school, I was, I didn't carry a picture of my husband, my kids, anything. Yeah. And I think I had been there about six weeks when one of the guys came up to me, he's like, Hey, when we got letters, my wife sent me an ultrasound and nobody else here cares. Can I show it to you? And he was super excited. And I mean, this was two o'clock in the morning. We're on perimeter guard. Somebody's planning the next mission in the center of the, the perimeter. And he's showing me this ultrasound. And I thought, holy shit, these guys miss their kids too. Like, why am I trying to be so hard? And by denying the fact that I have a family and I'm missing them, I'm not pushing down my femininity. I'm pushing down my humanity. Yeah. And and I actually sent my mom and my husband in, uh, a letter that very next day and said, hey, laminate some pictures of the kids and send them to me. And, and I'm going to carry those around. And they weren't necessarily my motivation, but I allowed myself to miss them, which made the rest of the experience, my second time through mountains, it made it more fun. Because I did think about, oh, this is really cool. We're hiking here and a helicopter is going to land right over there. I want to show my son this. He loves helicopters. <clears throat> so <laughs> that, that's, but then that's why I also say, like, I think it's, it's so unique in the fact that the stage of your life and the stage in your military career where you went through that, because it, it would probably be a hundred percent different if you were 10, 11 years younger. Right. You know, oh, yeah. or even if you were still single and you hadn't met your husband, whatever, I think things would be different. So I think what a lot of people don't understand and may want to ask, and I don't think I've heard it. And if I, if you've already said it, I apologize, but you know, Hey, different audience here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why do most people fail a specific phase? Like what is what it, what is it, what causes them to fail? You know, there's, there's the reasons why you fail, you fail tactics, you, okay. you know, serious incident. Um, you get, too many negative marks. But the truth is at some point in time, small unit tactics aren't hard. Right. We learned them in basic training. I learned them in the nineties. Yeah. They haven't changed. Right. Um, I failed on tactics, um, but I peered really high each time, which means I was still 
adding value to the team. Yeah. So every round I, I was still adding value to the team, which means I wasn't a complete loser with regards to tactics. Otherwise not I a shit bag. Exactly. Back. Okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I carried as much shit as I could. And I wrote yeah. a lot of op orders. Right. But, um, but I think, I think it's hard. Like when you yeah. start getting bad at tactics or you start getting a lot of major minuses, like your heart just isn't in it anymore. You start yeah. weighing the pros and cons. Like, what am I doing? Why am I, why am I away from my family? And, you know, when you're 20 something, those whys are really hard. Um, I think it was actually easier for me because at 37, my whys were easy. My, my whys weren't gender related. Um, some of them, of course, yeah. have, because I, I am a woman. Um, I can confirm, I can, yeah, you look, got it. I look, yeah, I got earrings <laughs> today. Yeah. They're Coca Pellis, in case you're oh, curious. Oh, there you go. Yes, yes. Um, but I have a, I have this fantastic husband, and mm -hmm. you know he basically gave me the Spartan, uh, come home with your shield or on it type speech every time I call. There you go. You know, focus on you. <laughs> I almost never. Every three weeks, I got my you know three to ten minute phone call, depending on where I was in line, and I almost never talked to the kids because it just would have been too hard. Right. And, um, but I had I had this guy. I had this guy who took my daughter to wrestling because, you know, my son's going to wrestling as well. So she gets on the wrestling mat too, and mm. he can do ponytails and he can do whatever <laughs> he needs to do. And I have this fantastic support system. And, and so I had, my whys were easy. Like my whys were easy. I didn't have a damn, I should be home taking care of this or, mm my husband spending all my money or any of the other drama that young soldiers yeah, oftentimes that's have. That's, that's a good point. Do you think it would have been different for you if your husband wasn't military? Mm. Cause I think that, I think. Without what, a doubt. Yeah. Cause I think you've, you've hit on it a lot that, you know, your husband, he, he gets it because, you know, he's kind of doing the same thing, you know, from yes. a, command perspective but also he kind of understands what you're going through being when he went later in his career he went and did infantry officer school right which yeah for the marines is i, I hear it's super easy um <laughs> yeah I'm, so, I'm gonna go tell him you said that <laughs> hey you know so i know but so i i i just i'm always curious about that because you you touched on something that a lot of young soldiers they just, they do, they get into relationships when they're not ready and they, they go through things and they experience things like a spouse spending their money or whatever. And you didn't have to worry about those things. So that's why I just wonder if you were married to a civilian, if it would have been the same or if they didn't, maybe they didn't, they, maybe they wouldn't know what to say to you. Right. And, and that might've made it easier for you to just be like, all right, well, you know, one of these women will make it. I'm, I'm going to take it to the house. Yeah. Um, I think, I think if I was married to civilian version of Alan Jaster, it would have been okay because he knew what he was getting into. Yeah. We also got married a little older, you know, I was, right. I was 29 and he's yeah. older than me. Mm. So this wasn't, we weren't 18 year olds that were starstruck. Yeah. Like when we got married, we knew it was a contract. We knew, Hey, we're, this is what we're signing up for. We had non-negotiables when, before we even thought about, you know, being together forever. I need to support you. You need to support me. We're both type A personalities. We're both driven. I think when people hit those issues at home, it's, it's when there's some facade, 
still in their relationship of, oh, well, the military is important, but it's a job. But then you go to ranger school. Okay. If you're ever shaving your head and going to ranger school and packing up all of your worldly belongings in two (laughs) duffels, it's not a job. It's a calling. Like you're all in. And if your spouse can't support the all in behavior, you're probably married to the wrong person. And so, I mean, Alan and my kids, they are, we laugh, it's team Jaster. And we talk about it all the time, whether it's their sports or my husband and my, my activities, it's, it's team Jaster all the way. Now it totally helps that when I'm leaving work, I send text messages, OM for on the move. Um, SP question mark is the reply, uh, you know, it does help that we can, we can speak in acronyms, but, uh, I think, I think Alan Jaster appreciates that he married Lisa yeah. and whether or not he's in the military, he's still that same awesome support, but it does help that he's in the military and I don't have to explain, Hey, we're going to be in the field. He knows that means I'm going calm silent for seven days, nine days, whatever it is. So do you like to now, since you know that the Ranger school is open to all branches, do you ever just be like, I got this tab. Where's yours? (laughs) (laughs) So so you ever tab check him? Like I'm just saying, (laughs) Do you walk around in like the, you know, this is not a, a sexist thing, but do you walk around in the ranger panties? Like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> now for people who aren't in the military, they're not going to understand that those are shorts. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but yes. Yes. The, uh, the shorts, those are probably great now, for CrossFit seen, classes. I would imagine. They are great. Yeah. But have you seen the Marine Corps PT shorts? I, it's the same worse. thing. It's the it exact is. same. It is. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't say ranger so, on it though, does it? No, it doesn't. But okay. So here's a funny story. <laughs> Um, so my husband is six foot nine and 260 pounds. Jesus. Yes. Yes. Could he play basketball Um, or no, he couldn't, let me get, hold on. He couldn't play basketball. So he joined the military. He played basketball in college and then volleyball after college. Okay. Sweet. Six, nine. Okay. How tall are you? Uh, five, three and a half. Okay. So your son, he's probably gonna be like six, four ish. He's got a chance. All right. Yeah. He's got a chance. All right. But (laughs) Jesus. So here's the thing. Human. My husband was great. He wore his Charlie's, his, his Brown yeah. Marine Corps uniform at my graduation. <laughs> if you Google us, that's one of the first pictures that pops up and okay. pinning my tab on <clears throat> immediately afterwards, we went to like a post ranger school graduation party. Nice. He puts on this blue t-shirt that says proud ranger wife. Yes. <laughs> In pink. In pink. But here's the best part of it. (laughs) That shirt existed for him to buy. (laughs) Exactly. There is a woman out there. Have you been the commandos or Ranger Joe's? Oh my God. All right, hold on. Keep going. I got plenty on this. I'm just saying. (laughs) There is enough of a population to have that shirt on in stock at Ranger Joe's. Yes. That would fit 270 or 260, 6'9". <laughs> All right. That's true. If you're not reading between the lines on it. Okay. So look, when I went to, to, to drill sergeant school, um, okay. same thing, Ranger Joe's. It may have been commandos. I always like commandos better. I thought Ranger Joe's was a little too commercial. That's because they give you like um, a Gatorade when you walk in. Yeah. It's very, commandos. it's very cultish. Commandos I felt was more for the people. Um, but no, there was like those it was, it was booty camp and it was, it was 
a like a lingerie set for the women that's was in camouflage and it said booty camp on it and i'm just like all right joe will buy anything yes and, and but you're right there's a market for it because it's it's fort benning you know the, yes. the as you already yes. described who's what's the average age going through ranger school yeah 24 i believe yeah, right now that's joe that's that's e4 that's Mafia, killing it yeah yeah. All right. So, um, again, I know Ranger school was hard. We got it. Uh, so, you did a lot of cool shit while you were there. What was your most fun, I guess, tactical experience? I think you said something about, you got to kill some dude that you got to see in reception or something, but anyway, what was your, what was your favorite? Oh yeah. I forgot about that. What was your favorite like tactical portion of Ranger school? So at some point I'd imagine it, it got fun, right? I mean, you any school eventually becomes, there's gotta be some fun in it. That's why you keep doing it every day. It's, you find the fun and the suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. So I um, I could fall asleep at the drop of a hat since I was born. Awesome. Yeah, like, that's- <laughs> and I, I snore like- Oh, that's not good. That's like bad I'm 200 for noise pounds discipline, overweight. ma'am. Bad for noise discipline. Hmm. I, I snore bad. And, My um, girl, she's a, oh, she's so, sorry, babe. Um, horrible <laughs> Horrible. Yes. I used to look forward to getting killed and <laughs> so I would go to snore <laughs> like a son of a gun. And the <laughs> RIs would get so mad at me because I'm just That's awesome. sawing logs. Um, I actually had, geez, I had a lot of really good stories, but um, I think one of my favorites is uh, we were changing after swamps and the RI, he had no idea what, what to do with me. And he's like, uh, Jaster, go over there in the woods. I'm like, so the, the, so the instructors were prepped for your arrival. That's good. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, go over there and change. I'm like, well, you want me to go near the swamps? I know there's water moccasins. You want me to go over there all by myself? <laughs> and he's like, here, take a chem light. And he literally just throws a chem light at me. I'm like, okay, so you want me to go naked in the woods, change my clothes all by myself, but put a chem light out. And he's like, yes. Bring a Nobody look at Ranger Jester. Don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So, so I go and, you know, you're carrying all your stuff for 10 straight days. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You can put on a clean uniform, but it was just mm-hmm. the nasty one that you took off yesterday. Exactly. Didn't get any cleaner uh, tied up <laughs> in your waterproof bag for the last 24 hours. So I went, you know, changed the criticals, cleaned the criticals, came back over. And there's this guy and he's just like, Jaster, Jaster. And I turn around and he just starts telling me the story. He's really excited, like hands everywhere. And I was like, hey, dude, uh, I got to walk away. He's like, no, I got to tell you this story. And he was super excited, like really getting involved in the story. And I'm like, dude, you're naked. He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're naked. And he goes, so? I'm like, dude, you're naked. And he goes, shit, I forgot you were a girl. And it was at that moment when I truly, truly, truly felt accepted. Yeah. But, but like the conversation where we started, like only in the military is that a good story. Yeah. If that, I would never blog about that because <laughs> if somebody isn't in the military, they're like, oh my God, that's horrible. That's sexual harassment. Right. Exactly. That's me, what, that's the immediate. I'm thing. accepted. Yeah. <laughs> but see, you also talked about, I want to say before, like, because it, it eventually, it doesn't matter what it is. Okay. At some point, and this is what's always been my thing. And maybe you can relate, maybe not, or maybe you felt this way. Cause I don't know how officer schools have gone, but any leadership school I've gone to, drill sergeant school, whatever school it was, I walk into it. And when they break us down into our small groups, I always say, nobody in here is better than me. 
And if they are, we're going to find out. Like I've always walked into that room and I've said that, and yes, it hasn't always worked out in my favor. Right. But for the most part, I feel like that mentality, it comes from sports, but that mentality has always served me well because at some point you have to prove why you're there, whatever it is, you have to prove why you're there. And that is what gets you acceptance amongst your peers. It's not you. It's like, Oh, look, it's the first female candidate. Okay. Well, there's a lot of candidates here for the first time and you guys all have to earn the tab. You all have to graduate. No one just because they're a dude, they don't get to graduate ahead of you. You all have to earn it. You all have to prove you're there for a reason. And I think you mentioned that. And one of the other things that I, I, I heard before this, but that's a huge part of it is no matter what it is, even probably corporate America, you could discuss with, 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 you know, working for shell, like you have to prove you belong at some point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, at Ranger School, people would ask, hey, did you get picked on? Okay, well, the guy with glasses who had BCG, BCGs, yeah, yeah. you know, those beautiful Ooh. birth control goggles, <laughs> um, he got picked on. The really tall guy, the guy who had baby fat. Your husband, fat, you know, six foot nine. Yeah, yeah. Six, nine. The guy who had neck fat, you know, that one guy. The hot dog, hot dog roll. Yeah, yeah. He got picked on. And it's because you stick out. And, and I think, I think that's what people don't realize is that, um, number one, I never felt you're supposed to get picked on. Right. But you like, I wasn't a white male, 23 yeah. to 25 right. uh, with a shaved head. I, I looked different. Yes. So I got noticed. So I couldn't half-ass push-ups when everybody was getting smoked. I couldn't grab the light bag that was full of pillows when we were doing overhead squats. Like I, I had to. <laughs> I was going to get noticed. And was that getting picked on? No more than, you know, the, the few yeah. minorities we had in the class or yeah. the people who <clears throat> just stuck out and looked different. Um, you know, and, and I give a lot of credit to the ranger instructors because, you know, they left every day. They went home yeah. and, and they got to hear all the media and all the shit right. that was going on. They got their buddies saying, hey, are you going to let a woman pass? Are right. you going to exactly. let any of this stuff happen? I didn't have to hear any of that. And all of my classmates were, were just saying, can you carry your own shit? Yes. You're good with me. And, and so I never had to deal with all the sexism that, that Mm. was a big deal to America while we were going through ranger school. That wasn't an issue for me. So I think that you touched on something. Um, when I went through basic training, so I went through basic training at Fort Jackson and then I went through when I was a drill sergeant, drill sergeant school was at Fort Jackson. But then when I was a drill sergeant, it was at Fort Benning and it wasn't integrated okay. at the time. Um, I actually served uh, at, well, we, we, we went to Fort Knox when she was there, but she was actually the first female drill sergeant at Fort Benning. Drill Sergeant okay. Sanchez. What's up, Battle? Um, and, <laughs> and she married my battle buddy from drill sergeant school. It's a small world. Anyway, um, but no, I think from what I remember from basic training is because when I went to basic training, I was, I was 21 years old already. So I was a little older. Like I, mm-hmm. um, I had done sports and co- like I, I, you already know that. Um, so basic training wasn't hard for me, but for those of the people who, you know, for the first time being away, like what I noticed in an integrated environment, cause that's all I knew. I didn't know like basic training was supposed to be, Oh, there's, there's, I didn't know Fort Benning existed at the time, you know, like it's right. all male. Yes, it's integrated somewhat now, but I just remember, I still remember Private Howard. This girl, she's 19, she refused treatment 
for weeks because she had stress fractures in her hip from the road marches. And finally mm-hmm. she couldn't make it out of our final FTX back. And she ended up recycling and graduating after that. But I remember like that girl tried and put so much effort into stuff that there were dudes just going to sick call to get out of training for the day. Cause they didn't feel good. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like when I remember going through that, she's just one example, but I have a few examples in my platoon, at least that I, I saw the females and I always felt like they knew or they understood that they had to try harder. Yeah. Right. And, you know, maybe they weren't as fast or as strong, whatever, but their heart, their, the mental stuff that we talked about, they had that Mm -hmm. over the individuals who were males who were faster and stronger because those dudes weren't able to, or capable of pushing themselves to that level. Right. Well, and I think one of the other things is um, because women are such a small portion of the army, especially in certain flexin. No, no, (laughs) No, it's my husband. Oh, hey, you're too tall. <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask him to flex. <laughs> yeah, he could flex. He could bring it. So your son's probably uh, already, what, six that. feet tall at 12 years old? Jesus. Yes, yeah. he's pretty close. <laughs> I'm going to go in your office. I'm walking again. Yeah, oh, there he is. I see him. Yes. Yep. Barely yep. fitting through that door frame. Too tall. Oh, You stop. guys have custom door frames? Because of his height? Uh, we will in our new house. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Yeah. I'm in the, in the study. Oh. You're going to see the whole house. Mad so, is probably in there. There's probably so many regs in that office. <laughs> that whole one. shelf right there. Yeah, you I can see, see. Yeah, I can see him. Yeah, yep, yep, pretty sad. <laughs> um, yeah, so one of the things I wanted to say though is, you know, as a, because women are a smaller percentage of the military, if somebody does something bad and they're a female, it, it kind of holds over to a lot of the other females, which yep. since, again, I went to West Point, so 90% male and then engineer branch. Um, and I worked construction. I worked offshore, uh, oil and gas. I worked in an engineering firm. Mm. It's always been a male dominant environment. So right. if you have a female, that female, that's 10% of the organization is representative of a lot of the females. So people like me will try to fight whatever the stigma is. So if they're in my first platoon, I had a soldier that's like, oh, I have my period, so I can't go swimming. Well, I went swimming every freaking day for the next six weeks to prove that yes. obviously you can. And there was no reason to do that. And so I think a lot of women put that on themselves that they mm-hmm. have to counterbalance where you know, as a guy, you realize there's some weak-minded men and there's some strong-minded men and there's a whole lot of both. Mm -hmm. And the military attracts more of the strong-minded people, but one or two women who will use those things as a crutch, Mm -hmm. make the rest of us so sensitive, so overly sensitive that sometimes we overdo the, I got to prove myself. And I definitely fall into that category. I think that's the same. So the other thing I do once a week is a, a, a different show from this, but it's a female who is kind of like one of the mainstays with me who I met on my last deployment to Kuwait. Well, deployment, 
Kuwait's not a deployment. You know that. My last overseas rotation to Kuwait. Yes. I met her and, and uh, it was from through CrossFix. I was a coach over there and she was as well. And that's how we met. And we've maintained friendships now and we continue to talk. But the main reason I keep her on is exactly what you just described. And then why I wanted her on to talk all this stuff with me because A, she's very smart, but B, like she's someone who she's going to fucking, she's going to beat your ass when it comes to a workout or she's going to die trying because that's just her mm -hmm. mentality. Right. And she doesn't look at it like these people endear themselves to you based on their physical performance and their ability to do something. It's not about the gender, mm -hmm. right? But I yeah. think it goes into what you're saying because there are plenty, look, you, you're a battalion commander. You know that you, you, you get these reports, whether you know every soldier in your formation, I don't expect you to, but you know who the shit bags are, right? Mm -hmm. I would yeah. venture a guess that more of them are men, just venturing a guess. But that's, as you said, we attract the stronger, but at some point, some of those people that aren't up to that level get in as well, right? We, we all yeah. have shit bag soldiers, right? Yep. And generally, they're, they're probably mentally not fit for what they're doing. It's not a physical thing. Um, but I think that ties into what you, what you said is, and it, it probably goes back to ranger school, is there are men who showed up to ranger school feeling like they had to be there. Because that yeah. was like the infantry expects them to go there. Or, you know, if you want to get promoted as an officer, you need to have a ranger tab. Or, you know, whatever the reasons is that people mm -hmm. get funneled into that school. Because, you what was it, 400 on your Yep. Yeah. That's like yeah, airborne school. Like you go to airborne school. It's, it's not a normal function. Like there's 400 or 300 of you. That's not normal. And eventually it'll filter out, but yeah. Um, so you made it. Congratulations. That's cool. You made hey. Ranger. Yeah. You got a Ranger yeah. tab and everything. Um, so yeah. what was, what was graduation like for you? Because I, I know me, man, I've been stupid emotional and I've been fortunate to have my family and my parents at every significant graduation I've ever done. Like, so I'm spoiled when it comes to all that stuff. Like I'll, I'll be turning 40. And if I graduated from a school tomorrow, my parents would still be there. And that's not <laughs> normal. I got it. Especially in the military. Yeah. There's, but what, what was graduate? What, when you finally passed the final little check of the block and you realized you were like, Hey, I'm about to get my Ranger tab. I'm going to have that cool little tambourine because general Shinseki ruined it and gave black ones to everybody. But what was your, when did you, what was your moment like when you realized you are a fucking Ranger? I'm, I'm still waiting. Oh <laughs> shit. She's still waiting. What the, hello. <laughs> but, um, so that day as an officer was mm -hmm. really hard for me okay. because, um, and I can't remember the number right now, 60 some odd people graduated that day. Oh, and there was these big media panels. People magazine was there. Somebody asked me if they could record my um, reuniting with my family. Yeah. So the ranger instructors had to sneak me out. Like the RIs yeah. snuck me out so I could have a reunion with my kids who I hadn't talked to in six months. Right. Exactly. Um, in private. Yeah. And um, oddly enough, the woman who worked at the chow hall came out too because she wanted to meet my kids. It was so oh, cool. <laughs> I love the defects civilians. They're great. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Most um, of them are criminals, but whatever. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> work release. It's a great program. So it was uh it was really hard for me because I wanted the day to be special for me and my family. Yeah. But I had I had grown really close to these guys. Right. You know, I'd I'd been in the mud with them for yep. however long. 
And some of them had done all the recycles with me. So I was there for oh, shit. six months. Yeah. And there were guys that were with me the entire time. Okay. Some of them who had been there longer. And so I was getting all this media and they were just graduating. Right. Like their families were there to see them. But I had people like having to secure me and block me yeah. and keep the media away. And, and I really thought that, I thought that was horrible. I actually thought, God, maybe I shouldn't go to the graduation ceremony, even though I deserved it just like everybody else. But I felt like my presence was taking away from what everybody earned. Everybody earned yeah. the same tab. That's so selfish. my presence there shouldn't, shouldn't take away their glory. Mm -hmm. um, as far as family, so something really sad happened and I'm gonna, I'm gonna blurt it out because it's easier, but I thought I was gonna graduate after my first round through swamps and I ended up recycling. And that was a huge blow. And when I called home, I, I hadn't heard about this, but I found out that my dad had terminal cancer. Oh, so my dad is a 1968 Ranger School graduate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was. And, um, three and so had hearts. I graduated, say again? Three Purple Hearts. Yes. Oh my. Four. Ro oh, Four Purple Hearts. Fucking rock yes. star, if you guys aren't keeping And a silver star. Oh, okay. That's so, so, small flex. And a partridge in a pear tree. Yes. Yeah, I'm about to say small flex, silver star, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> so he, uh, Jesus. Because I recycled one more time, he couldn't physically make it to my graduation. Oh, fuck. And so, again, it's this bittersweet event of yeah. I've probably spent my whole life trying to prove myself to my dad in one Absolutely. way or another. Yeah. And now, I'm accomplishing something that's pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm taking attention away from 60 some odd other Bubba's who are accomplishing the exact same thing. And the one person I really want an add a girl from can't show up because I failed again. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a super emotional day, but on the flip side, my step uncle, my Sergeant major, some of my West point classmates, the, the two girls that graduated before me, Chris and Shay, my husband, my kids, my parent, my mom and stepdad and my in-laws were all there. Um, women from the class of 1980 came. So Shit. again, bittersweet because I'm getting all of this undue yeah. attention that I don't really deserve. Right. But I'm also getting to see that the first, um, the first openly gay female flag officer came mm. and shook my hand. And just, it meant something to her that I was graduating. And, and that was really crazy. Cause that was, I knew it was going to be a big deal when women graduated from ranger school, right. but I didn't realize that it would personally impact other people. Like the media circus I expected, Yeah. but to have individuals, um, my classmate, one of my West Point classmates actually sent me his Ranger tab and, okay. and I carried it with me and it was a, a, my drive on tab That's pretty and cool. I had to give it back to him after graduation. Did you give and him your, so, did you switch it out? Did you just give him yours and he didn't know or no? <laughs> I did not. I did not, but I did have a second drive on tab and um, that one, that one, um, that one actually got buried with my father. So awesome. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. 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 So it's in his breast pocket. 
Awesome. There you go. That's cool. Yeah. So he, he yeah. So so it was a very crazy emotional event. Some good, some bad, and yeah. I still. It's funny because I posted about it today on Instagram. Like I still feel like I have to earn the tab. So, mm-hmm. um, what I posted about, oddly enough, is, you know, I I've heard from a lot of women. Hey, I'm starting a new fitness regimen. I'm gonna get a cute outfit. It makes me feel good about myself, and on days when I don't want to go to the gym, I put on my Ranger sweatshirt or my Ranger panties. There you go. Yes. Yes. yes, Because I have to earn those every day. And I really feel like I have to earn it because I'm not done yet. Like going to Ranger school at 37, that's fine, but that's just the beginning. What do I do with it now? Right. Do I, do I represent myself? Well, do I lead by example? Am I, am I living the Ranger values? And no, I've never been in Ranger regiment. I never will be. They don't have a reserve, Yeah. but do I earn that tab every day? So do you, do you still do CrossFit or you just run ridiculously long for no reason? (laughs) I hate running. Um, Uh, Exactly. We all do. Yes. So I did quit my CrossFit gym when I had this shoulder surgery. Okay. Um, They went in and they found out that my bicep wasn't attached anymore, which I didn't know. Uh, oh, that could be a problem. To, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of need to finish recovery. I, I can <laughs> almost get my arm over my head. Oh, sweet. Oh, cool. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. So someday I'll, I'll CrossFit again. Okay. No, but, I was going to ask if they, uh, cause y- you know, this probably every gym's got some people who are in the military in it. So I was just curious if, uh, you know, you show up flexing your Ranger panties, if they're like, Whoa, what are you doing wearing those? Cause they don't know who you are. Like, well, yeah. actually, 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 I am a ranger. What, who are you? <laughs> Do you ever flex? Have you, when was the last time you flexed on someone, ma'am? Come on. You've, you've had to have flexed. So I won't tell you the last time. I'll tell you the best time. Okay. The best time's better. <laughs> so I show up to Kuwait. I deployed to Iraq oh, in 2018. <laughs> this is going to be good. Okay, go ahead. So we're going through that in-processing, you know, you're in Kuwait for like two hours and then you yeah. get on a, a plane and go north. And I had some guy actually ask me for my orders to wear my tab. He's like, I want to see a copy <laughs> of your orders. Of <laughs> and I was just, Kuwait you, you is, know the travel. Oh it's God, like, Kuwait is so, it's, it's not, it's not a real, it's a real place, but it's not. Well, the army turns a 14 hour trip into like 36 plus hours. So you're dead. And I'm a field grade officer. So I can't, I can't lose my cool. I can't yeah. take off my boots and my blouse exactly. and sleep on a bench. Like I've got to, I've got to maintain some good order and discipline. So by the time I get through this in-processing in Kuwait and I have this Bubba asking me for my orders to wear my Ranger tab, I looked at him and said, you need to just fucking Google me <laughs> walked away. That's it. That's all I said. Google me. That's awesome. That is fucking awesome. my NCO was like, ma'am, you, you can't I'm like, it's either that or I punch for, him in the throat. Who does, yeah. Uh, seriously. Like, bro, relax. Your, your, your whole job is RSOI. Re- just fucking swipe the ID card. Let's move on. That's it. You're done. That's yes. it. Yes. That's good though. That is, that is, that's, that's legit. You should do that again in the future if you continue to serve on. Because someone's going to ask. You know it's going to like, oh, we weren't a ranger tag. Would you, would you ranger? Yeah. 
I, I get a lot of where'd you get that from or PX. Where else do you get? Where else do I get this from? Exactly, class or clothing and sales. That's where I got it from. Yeah. Nerd. Beat I it. just tell them it's two forty nine at the PX. <laughs> exactly. You That's can get a, one too. Why are Ranger tabs so cheap, but every patch is like forty dollars? I don't. Oh my I don't know. god. Have you gotten the new pinks know. and greens yet? Did you buy those yet? God no. No, uh, I'm still waiting for them to be because we're supposed to get issued. They're supposed to be issued in February, but you know, COVID apparently logistics don't no longer yeah. exist. Um, but no, because I was gonna say, like, your guys like the women's uniform looks pretty legit. And now you get to throw a ranger tab on that. That's yeah. That's not yeah, good. you know what? Nowhere in the army regulation does it say exactly where it should go. Oh, Just really? For women. Okay, so you're gonna get creative yeah. and then you know yes. we had to. We had to once upon a time. Um, no, I still have my greens, my class A's. So I have, yeah, I got those. The greens are in there somewhere. Yeah. And then the, the ASUs are in there. I don't I thought. Yeah. And my blues are still the ones I was issued uh, late 1999, early 2000. Can you tell me I this? I still wear those. Maybe you know this. And maybe, maybe your husband is connected. I don't know. Because you guys are field grades. So is there any reason why the army has to, has to get a new, like, utility uniform and a new dress uniform apparently every five years no none you're not I'm just waiting till the next one comes okay out. i was just yeah, wait no. maybe you'd break some news on the podcast i don't know i'm just curious no since i've came in i was issued bdus right then we got ac or then we got the dcus for iraq then we got acus then we got yep. multicam and now we yep. have well now we're back to technically the the ocp yeah whatever slash bdus yeah <sighs> Two dress uniforms, but you know, the greens and the ASUs. PTs. I oh, still PTs, wear my old, yeah. my old PT sweatshirt though. Yeah, so the great yeah. hoodie. So I best. ruined that actually in a hurricane. I was in Florida and I was cutting down trees and all the tree sap, blood, whatever kept going onto my army sweatshirt. So that's gone. Mm. And the army pants, the sweatpants, I don't know where those are. No, those got thrown away immediately. Yeah. I was yeah. not a big fan of the 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 previous PTs, like you know, the winter one, the plastic ones. Yeah. Everyone thought they were so cool. And we couldn't wear them at Fort Jackson. Cause I went in the summer, like, Oh, you wear those when you get to AIT, AIT or whatever. Nice. So actually a great story. I was in AIT and I went for a run on my own and it was kind of chilly. So I wore the long sleeve shirt. And then I remember getting so hot while running with it. I was like, Oh, I'll just cut the sleeves off when I run tomorrow. So, you know, E1, me, decided to cut mm -hmm. the sleeves off of a long sleeve PT shirt and go running after, after, after hours, of course, on <laughs> Fort Jackson. I, I got maybe, maybe 200 yards before nice. some Sergeant Major driving down the main road was like, hey! <laughs> it's like what yes. the fuck are you doing, Private? I'm like... What I do wrong? He's like, so that was a fun conversation. I've done, like you, I've done a lot of dumb shit that I've yeah. gotten in trouble for. <laughs> I've done yes. a lot of dumb stuff. It's, it's really good. So that's part of the I would have, should have, could have thing. So I'm writing, I'm actually writing a, uh, a script based on each week of drill sergeant school. Okay. Because it's it's twelve years ago, but it was the funniest eight weeks of our lives. Of us that sure. were. And I feel like the, the, the military needs more of that. Like, no disrespect, ma'am. I get it. There's probably going to be a movie about your story and all. And it's going to be a great story. But I feel like everyone looks to the army and the military in general as like, it has to be this super serious thing all the time. And they're missing out on all the humor. 
Cause you yes. already know that. Like, look at all the dumb <laughs> shit we've done downrange. Like your soldier bartering or your, your soldier calling for you to go fight that Lieutenant. Like these are the things people like, like that stuff's yes. fucking funny. And people are, have no idea. Cause they have no idea what the army is. They all just think it's, Oh yeah. You guys just go fight and kill and shoot terrorists in the face. Yes. There's more to it. Yes. I think that was the weirdest thing for me. Cause when I graduated high school, I'm like, I'm going to be part of America's best and brightest. I'm going to be a part of America's fighting forces. Hell yeah. And then you get there and you realize everybody else is just a, a <laughs> zip popping 18 year old too. Just, we're just winging it. <laughs> we're America's best and brightest. <laughs> Look at this gun. <laughs> hey, let's fight scorpions and <laughs> spiders exactly Put them in a shoe box. our first so. kill was like so when we deployed to iraq in 2003 we went i swear like within the first 36 hours we moved five times to five different yeah. camps the second camp we got to it was like three in the morning and we finally got a chance to sleep for a few hours and you know the tents back then in 2003 they didn't have any wooden bottoms it was just dirt still mm -hmm. and yeah. so i remember <laughs> my commander at the time captain king great dude <laughs> we all like bed down next to each other and he was next to me and he's like hey ski you see that and i'm like what there's something moving over there i'm like sir we just nah we're good we've just been up too long just go to sleep he's like no there's something definitely moving i'm going in we're yeah. in a tent i'm like going in where are you going in and he like gets his <laughs> rifle and he starts chasing this thing around the tent and he finally kills it. And he like butt strokes the hell out of this fucking camel spider. And I've got nice. pictures on a hard drive somewhere. It literally looked like a scene from alien. Like this camel spider was dead, but it did not look like from earth. Yeah. And we yeah. were all like, holy shit, Captain King's got the first kill. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Like that's the stuff people will never, for the most part, They'll never see stuff like that. They'll always see, which is good. Like, don't get me wrong. They'll see movies like The Outpost, which are important. Yeah. Yes. There's a hell of a lot more going on that people need to see. Yes. So who's going to play you in a movie? Do you know yet? So funny story. No shit. There I was. Here she is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was our, uh, our second round of mountains. So I wrote my kids and my husband every single day. And I okay. just, you know, the little green notebooks you keep in your back pocket. Yep. So they got you know, a hundred little pages that big, <laughs> um, sent to them, but I took notes on every single day, what I ate, what movement we did, how many clicks we did. And, you know, the notebook was just constant. So sometimes it was the op word in there. And then the backside yeah. was a note to the family. And I have all those pages. So of course I recycle in mountains. I'm there. And, uh, somebody's like oh are you are you writing a script are you are you getting ready to sell your movie as yeah, right. you graduate? I'm like yeah of course I am Fuck like yeah. what do you say and um oh who's gonna play me or what's my nickname gonna be and you know all the guys wanted to know what their pseudonym would be in the real movie and um some guy was just talking a bunch of shit about uh G.I. Jane yeah. and the movie yep and I'm about to go on, on Repel. And he's talking about G.I. Jane and you think Demi Moore will play you and she's hot and just all this other she's stuff. Way too old. And as soon as I got in my L position and did my first bound, I screamed up, Demi Moore wishes she was me. And I just <laughs> repelled all the way down. That's awesome. And the RI in the bottom, he, he got his knife hand out and he was getting ready to yell at me for just talking the whole way down. And then he's like, 
you're fine, Ranger. You're fucked up. <laughs> and just just slap me and keep going. But yeah. Uh, so who's gonna play you? Who's gonna play? I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying um, to look. I'm trying to look. Who's, who's that Katniss girl? Which one? From Hunger Games. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Damn. You know what? I, you know old. what? You know what? Who could go if he just she just has to change her hair? That gal gal Gardot, the the chick who plays Wonder Woman. So funny story. Yeah, here we go. So no shit. There I was. No shit again. Uh, yeah, lots of no shits. So, so we are. Um, I take the kids out of their summer camps yeah. the day Wonder Woman opens up, and we all dress up in uh, comic book characters. Okay. And one of my girlfriends <laughs> from the gym who stayed with us for a while uh, decided she took she took the morning off work. And the earliest Wonder Woman was playing on opening day was at 9 a.m. So we went to a theater at 9 a.m. dressed up in our comic book character outfits. I've never done this before, never doing it again. Yeah. But I thought, hey, why not? So we went to go see Wonder Woman and we're sitting in the movie theater watching it. And the preview, the army has one of those army of one, army strong commercials. (laughs) And a picture the size of the entire theater of me (laughs) comes up. So the three people I'm with, my two kids and my girlfriend stand up and scream, that's our mom. That's great. (laughs) And as we're leaving the movie, oddly enough, I asked my kids, Hey, what did you think of wonder woman? And my son looks at me, honest as could be their arms were too skinny to really be Amazon women. That's what he took out of it. That that's fair, right? I mean, yeah. he didn't, you know. But that's that would be a good person to play, right? I mean, sure. Yeah, I feel like sure. that's good. She just dye, lighten the hair up a little bit. That'd be good to but go. But she just has to shave it. Oh, that's true. Also, that's right. Yeah. Damn. And, and so you said you that at the time, a shaved head for a woman was fattish. Yes. So I had to have a quarter inch of hair. Uh, quarter inch. That's what I got. And yeah. I did not show up because they had told us it could be an eighth of an inch to a quarter inch. Yes. And I you showed had to up with show a quarter up already haircut ready. They didn't send you yes, guys. But mine numbers. was a quarter inch and it was tapered in the back. Oh. So I had a high end hoa. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the and, picture. Uh, like I said, ma'am, I've, yes. I've unfortunately I've seen the picture. It looks masculine. <laughs> it, let's go with that. You said it. Yes. Not me. So I just confirmed. <laughs> I did not have a, I did not have a shaver. Of, yeah. Yeah. I did not have a hair trimmer of right. my own. And they said my hair was too long because it was a quarter inch instead of an eighth of an inch. So I sat out in the rain on the rocks on day zero, cutting my hair with my sewing scissors. See, no one hears stuff like that. That's that needs to be in the movie. If you're watching this and you are a producer or a writer and you're going to steal her story and capitalize off it, make sure that's in it. It's got to be in it. Yes. Got to be in it. That's actually, you know what? If you wouldn't have said that and that was in the movie, people would be like, oh, come the fuck off. That's so, no one's sitting out cutting their own hair because that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be that last little, it's going to be you. Oh, you didn't show up with your hair cut and it's going to be you yeah. cutting all of your hair because that would be yes. so Hollywood right there. That would be. That would be. And, and that was in G.I. Jane, actually. Yes. Okay. Well, hey, you know how Hollywood is. They repeat themselves, right? They always there do. We go. It's always a sequel for some. Actually, I like G.I. Jane because I was kind of, I had a huge crush on Demi Moore as a kid growing up. She's a big. It's hard not to. 
Like, it is hard not to. She's a babe. Yeah. I don't know what she looks like now. It's been a long time since she's been in a movie. I, I think she still looks fantastic. Probably. Yeah. I would yeah. imagine. I don't think yeah. people like that. Well, Hollywood actresses, they don't really age poorly. They can afford. No, no. Age. Her and Holly Berry like look better at 60 than they did. At I'm a big Scarlett Johansson. I would say that could be another, that would be another potential candidate. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And she does the redheaded thing. Yeah. So there you go. The soulless ginger as you yeah. described it as. Yeah. And, and I've gone as black widow for Halloween before. So it's oh. perfect. Well, there we go. All right. So Scarlett Johansson, I know you subscribe to this. Let's, let's just be honest. Um, so please, when you get the chance to finish listening to all of this, go ahead and get yes. whoever it is, you know, that writes, write this little story real quick and let's get a real Hollywood blockbuster. Cause I don't know about where you're living or how things are for you, man, but we finally got a chance to go to a movie about three months ago. That's been ceased again in California, but the first movie first. we went to, we literally left. We walked out of it. It was so bad. Hollywood struggle. They're on the struggle bus right now. You know, can't yeah. make movies. I don't know who's writing them and who's producing them, but we need some good movies. And I feel like, you know, maybe your story, it, someone will watch it. I would. Someone will. Yeah. There's at least one person out there. Maybe. Probably two, uh, three. I'll drag all two of these people with me. We're going. Perfect. That'd be good. My kids right, man, probably won't. Yeah. I mean, thanks for joining us on There Will Be Bourbon. Even though you had wine, that's fine. You at least imbibed. That was great. Um, you can, where can they follow you, ma'am? Do you, do you, do you have some grants, so, Twitters? Some, yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do all of the above. Awesome. Um, so I've got a Facebook. It's Lisa Jaster dash delete the adjective. Delete the adjective. Um, okay. And if you follow me personally, I do have a, a, a verified check mark because there are Ooh, lots of people trying to catfish. Is that the term? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. yes. Um, and I've got my gram. I'm okay. Lisa A. Jaster. And I've got Twitter and I even have LinkedIn because I'm a professional and stuff. Yes, you are. Uh, so on Twitter, that's primarily where I'm at. Um, I think I followed and tagged you this morning when I did something. You did. Yes. Okay. So that's where you can find her. You can find me at Eric TWBB, which stands for there will be bourbon. There will be bourbon again soon, probably next week. Cause we got some things to get into actually Thursday, there will be banter. So watch for that. But again, thank you. Lieutenant Colonel Lisa Jaster, one of the finest Ranger school graduates who is doing great <laughs> things for not only you, but for her country. And you should be grateful and thankful for her. And if you're not come see me offline, we'll talk about it. Thanks again, ma'am. Thanks, Eric.